Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. We are back on the Oz Network for week number two of our Men in Black Month, uh, a.k.a. our Make Will Smith Great Again Month. And we are here to talk about everybody's favorite 2002 sequel that is not Star Wars or Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or... Maybe even Austin Powers are certainly better than uh, Die Another Day. Uh, at least they got one up on James Bond. And uh, everybody's favorite Oz Network 20th anniversary movie from 2002 that's not about a boy signs Panic Room or My Big Fat Creek Wedding. And guaranteed it is everybody's second or third favorite Men in Black movie. This is certainly not the worst. We're talking about Men in Black, dude. Yeah. Student audience is back in again. I like it. Good for them. And uh, famous last words, this one won't be as long as last week, but, um, well, we'll see. I think we're going to be disagreeing on some gonads on the chin. Uh, (laughs) My name is Colin, and... And my name is Ben, and here's one of these episodes from one of our podcasts that doesn't exist. Uh, I think you took my backup quote. Uh, You took my my, my main quote, (laughs) but rather than me complaining about it, because I kind of assumed you would take that one, so I'm like, (laughs) Colin's going to do the whole boom, so I'm like, okay, I'll go for that one. So there you go. I was prepared. I secretly, I secretly hope that you would have taken the second part of that. We could have duetted back and forth like Will Smith and Biz Markey. Well, let's be honest, Colin. You are old and busted. Me, new hotness. So old, you old, old and, busted, and busted, new hotness. Okay, there you go. Uh, old hotness uh, <laughs> coming soon. That's Jamie. Uh, <laughs> Men in Black 2. Uh, we discussed this a little bit last week. It's kind of the sequel that's not as bad as some people say and not as good as other people say this is a perfectly adequate sequel that was perfectly unimpressive uh when it first came out but um i'm gonna kind of be interested to dissect what i think some of the major problems are in this movie but every time i watch this movie like i can't help but love the comedy in it. And I think that's going to be the big difference between this and the third one, where I feel like the comedy is kind of like flat, but the storyline's great. But yeah, there are definitely some major issues in this movie, but uh, there's also some huge, huge wins in this movie. Uh, as, as far as history goes, just quickly jumping into mine. I'm like you, I love the first men in black. I saw this opening weekend um, and I thought it was okay. <laughs> Uh, didn't mind it. And uh, I think the second time I saw it, they did a re-release. I I guess they they were trying out, Sony was trying out, uh, I don't know if it was actually owned by Sony at that point, but Columbia Pictures, whatever, trying out the whole double bill that used to be such a big thing back in like the 
fifties and sixties and everything. So they re-released at the end of the summer, Spider-Man and men in black Two, And I primarily went to see Spider-Man again, but I'm like, Hey, one price and I could see Spider-Man and men in black Two. So I saw it a second time. I don't know if I would have bothered a second time, but, uh, I've always found it somewhat enjoyable with some major issues. You said a second ago about some of the stuff being uh, winning. Uh, just what does Casper think of it? It's a winner. Okay, just wanted to du- double check with that. Um, I want to read a review here based in the Hindu, an English language Indian newspaper, where the review said this film is worth viewing once. And <laughs> I might agree with that. Um yeah, I've got a weird history. I said this last week. I saw this at the cinemas opening day, opening weekend, and wasn't a fan. I just was like, what was that? And, again, this was sort of at that age at 15 when you're kind of growing into a brain where you're like <laughs> where not everything is the best thing you've ever seen, right? Like yeah. you start to form an opinion where you can go, huh, that wasn't good. So I kind of always remember this as the first movie I think I ever saw at the cinema and was like, eh. I didn't really enjoy that and I avoided seeing it for a long time and I don't think I maybe rewatched this for only, uh, you know, five years ago or that. And, again, I think I, I enjoyed it a lot more with age, but even on this viewing I was like, ah, oh, huh, okay. Um, <laughs> as you said, there's some good stuff about it, but I think my issue with this, it feels so rushed. It feels so, like, just stuff is missing from it. And is it just me or do... Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith kind of feel a bit lazy in this movie. I don't know. There's just portions of this movie where I feel like they're phoning it in. Lara Flynn Boyle, she's there. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's not Men in Black International, but, like, I don't know. There's just stuff about this where I'm like, huh, it just feels like it's missing something and I just don't know if some people are putting their all on. And just saying this now, special effects in 2002 are terrible. This movie does not age well with the special effects. Well, I'm, I'm going to kind of agree with everything you said, but disagree to a certain extent. Um, I, I agree special effects, particularly the CGI, really bad in this. Um, but I think on the flip side of that, the animatronics and the makeup effects is one up on the first movie. Like they really went all out with some of the the aliens that they created. Um, I, I, I disagree because I don't think the Tom Lee Jones and Will Smith are phoning in. If anything, I think they're maybe giving it too much. They're trying too hard. It's just there is a slight change in tone for certain parts of this movie where it's almost like they're in character from the first movie, but like, but how do I do this more outlandish humor that maybe doesn't belong in this movie? Uh, And then as far as the rushing thing, I get what you're saying with that, but I I feel like it has less to do. People are going to look at the running time of this movie and say it's under 90 minutes. They definitely rushed it. Whereas I think the bigger issue is we talked about the first movie and I never noticed until we talked about the first movie last week, how, little story there is and the story there it's perfect the way they just sort of fit the story in okay there's this thing there's this this uh galaxy or whatever we got to find it we don't know what it is and that's sort of secondary to just exploring the world this movie there is so much plot and they're cramming into 88 minutes and if they had given it an extra 10 minutes to develop that plot maybe better or if they just cut some of the really convoluted story out of this movie maybe it doesn't feel as rushed yeah, I just I think this is a weird movie that, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, oh, God, this has been going on for ages. You look at the timestamp, you've been watching it for 15 minutes. Or then, <laughs> say, a movie like No Time to Die, which is a, basically a three-hour movie, but because you're enjoying it and so hooked into it, you look at the timestamp and go, oh, wow, it's been going for two hours and ten minutes and it's nearly over. 
this is one of those ones where it's sort of you're watching it and you're going like, okay, cool story set up. Yep. All right, sweet. And you look at the timestamp and you're like, oh, there's only like 30 minutes to go. You're like, wow, how are they going to resolute, 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 resolve this? <laughs> like it just, it, it feels so rushed. And like, I get, yeah, there's a lot going on, but, and again, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying I hate this movie. I don't hate this movie. It's just, it's an odd one to me that there's stuff in it that is funny. There's stuff that just doesn't land. I just feel the performances are just off. Um, and you've got a great closing song. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know. It's just, it's strange. It's a strange movie that just every time I watch it, I have a different feeling about it. Uh, one of the things I kind of want to go over is the gap in between the first movie and this movie, because nowadays, five years, we're talking 97 to 2002. That's nothing. I mean, that's the average amount of time for a James Bond sequel. Uh, Marvel has well surpassed five years, I feel like, for most of their sequels. Well, it's just, it's so normal now to have movies that take several years to have the sequels come out that if you have a movie that comes out two years later, you're like, oh, are they they rushing this movie, you know? Um, And in 2002, that was not normal at all. In fact, the three-year wait we had between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones was an eternity for Mm. that era of movies. Uh, Same thing for World is Not Enough to Die Another Day. It was like, I can't believe that they actually took the risk of waiting a third year Mm. to have a sequel. That just didn't happen. I mean, you had sequels come out two years later. I'm trying to think throughout all of the 80s and 90s, I mean, maybe between Ghostbusters 1 and 2, you had a five-year wait. You had five years in between. uh, Back to the Future, yeah, between 1 and 2. or. Yeah. Uh, and other than that, I mean, you had the odd movie that took that long to come out. And I even remember in 2002, it just being like, wow, this movie's taking forever to come out, which really came down to the first movie was so big that we have to get both of these guys. There's no way we're going to make this movie again without Barry Sonnenfeld, without Will Smith and without Tommy Lee Jones. And all of them received so much of a boost to their career off the first movie that now you can't nail them down. I, I, I'm going to, bet that there was no contractual obligation for sequels when they made the first men in black. Cause otherwise this, this must've come out a lot earlier, but I don't know whether that affected a lot of the movie too. Like you get so far removed from the first movie that you kind of forget what made the first one work. And the same thing for the audience. When we kind of go through the box office and then this movie was a, a hit, but it wasn't nearly as big as people expected because maybe too much time had passed between the first one and this one. And we've gone over like how big 2002 was for movies, sequels, all that sort of stuff. And, the thing I think too with this movie that maybe I don't say ruined, but I remember watching the trailers to death. So like even mm. now, twenty years later, when I'm watching this movie, I know every line from this movie that was in the trailer. Yeah, and you're just kind of like, oh, that's a trailer line. That's a trailer line. I remember that. I remember that. And I think it's definitely one of those ones that got hyped so much that you know I was like, okay, was that as good? And this wasn't that far removed from Jurassic Park three, wasn't it? Like was this was that the closest the year? Big movie. Oh, a year, of course. Duh. Sorry, I'm thinking. I always keep thinking this movie comes out in 2001 for some weird <laughs> reason. Um, what was well, around? Was it Attack of the Clones? Then that was around this. What was the big one that yeah, sort of so came before this? One of the things I was going to mention later on, I'll just get out of the way now. Is I remember before Attack of the Clones, all the hype for that, and one of the few interviews George Lucas gave, and the, the interview was right after Spider. So Spider Man came out. And two weeks later, you have Star Wars. And Spider-Man was so much bigger than everybody expected. People were asking George Lucas, I'm like, are you kind of nervous now about Star Wars box office because of Spider-Man? And he said, 
nowadays in Hollywood, you don't really look backwards. You know, you, you basically look to what is the next one that's going to knock me out of my spot. And he was saying, we're worried about men in black too, which was six weeks later, but even in between attack the clones and men in black, you had the born identity. You had, um, Mr. Deeds, you had, um, minority report. You had, I think Lilo and stitch maybe the week before this, like, like there were a lot of movies that open well above expectations, even after attack of the clones. So George Lucas was basically thinking in six weeks, men in black is going to be our competition. And then you have this one summer that just every movie went so far above and beyond what people expected that like, yeah, there was a ton of competition out there. Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned Mr. Deeds. It sounds funny in hindsight, but that movie was huge. I remember when Mr. Deeds, I, I saw <laughs> yeah. that like opening day. I think I might even skip school to see it for some weird reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, t- 2002 was a big year for movies. I, I don't, mm-hmm. can you top 2002? Like if you were to go through what came out that year? Yeah, because, I mean, look at how many we've covered. I mean, even, you know, we've covered the Santa Claus 2. You know, that movie made like $150 million. I mean, People wasting looking the at money the list here. <laughs> but looking at the list here, I mean, uh, other movies that kind of get forgotten about how big they were, Triple X, Ice Age. Um, and, of course, this was the year where, like, everything was a sequel. The Ring. The Ring was, like, biggest horror movie in history uh, the year this came out. Uh, Eight Mile, Road yeah. to Perdition. Because, I mean, just looking at that list and, like, you know, maybe it's also my mind's a bit warped because I'm 15 and this is probably, I'd say arguably the first year that I ever really used my pocket money to go to the movies all the time. But it was, and like the internet, I guess I was probably on it more. So I'm watching things like trailers and all that sort of stuff helped. But I mean, we're talking about this year, 2022, the time we're releasing this that at the time of recording this, like I haven't seen a movie in like two months, three months. There's like nothing on. Come on, Black Adam, hurry up. Um, Whereas like, <laughs> I think 2002, it was like, God, I've got to stop seeing movies. Like, I mean, they're just yeah. every single week there was something to see. So, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a, it was a big year, I think. You and know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Now, nowadays, like, you know, oh, there's a Marvel movie every second week, this, that, and everything else. Whereas, like, this was kind of something that was a bit unique at the time to have something so big every single week. I don't remember what the number was, but... Uh, 73. Uh, but <laughs> that's pr- probably pretty close. Actually, probably on the low side, I would think, but... Um, I used to track every single movie I saw in theater. I had like a notebook and I oh, would I write the I'd movie, the data. I, I saved ticket stubs and all that. And I so for years, as, yeah, yeah, like as a teenager and even into my early 20s, I would always like keep this list. This is every movie I saw. And I, I all I remember was that 2002 was like, like significantly higher for the amount of movies I saw than any of the year. Like it was probably around 100 times I, of course, a lot of that was repeat viewings of Star Wars and Minority Report and Spider-Man and everything. But still, it was like the amount of times I went to the theater in 2002, nothing else ever came close. I Yeah, because I, I, I remember that period, like high school period. And that was then because then the year after I worked at the cinema. So then therefore, you know, you, you're getting them for free and stuff like that. But like, I mean, obviously, I remember going to see movies prior to 2002. But for the most part, that was always had to go with my mom, my dad, my grandma, you know, things like that. And like if you went with your friends, it was a school holiday thing. You know, it was, it was a rarity that you could get the money to catch a bus into the city. Cause this is also back when I was a kid, we only had one cinema in the entire city. Um, you know, it was sort of around this period where one opened up like a five minute walk from my house. So I was like, great. This was the best thing ever. So you kind of, I guess everybody listening to this would have that memory as a teenager when you start to get that, 
feeling of independence when you can go see a movie by yourself or go see a movie with your friends and not have to always rely on your parents. And I feel 2002 was that year for me. And again, the internet was such a thing because I talked about it on 007 with Die Another Day, that being the first real Bond movie where I followed everything with it. And like going back to Men in Black 2, like again, I remember the trailers. I remember watching them all the time. Wow, this is awesome. And then Spider-Man, I think I told the story on Spider-Man how I loved seeing that so much that somebody had gotten a, a downloaded copy and put it on a VCD, if you remember what a VCD <laughs> yeah. was back in the day. And we all felt cool because this was like a very good cam copy of Spider-Man. So I remember coming home like, Mom, Dad, you know that new Spider-Man movie? Do you want to see it? How do you get that then? Oh, friend at school. And it was like, oh, I feel so <laughs> cool. So like, it, it's laughable right now kind of thinking what we did back then. But it's just nowadays kids these days can watch fucking movies on TikTok probably, whereas like, <laughs> Back when I was a boy, uh, VCD was the thing. I, I This is kind of along those lines. I was just talking to Jamie about this after I watched this a few days ago. And I was mentioning all the stuff in 2002. And uh, it somehow came up like, like, oh, you know, remember the days when you have to go to the box office to buy a ticket? Hmm. And we were just out at the movies last night. And there is no, like, you can actually see they have basically put like the, the 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 kiosks or whatever uh, in front of uh, where the box office used to be. You could still, if you need to, purchase a ticket from concession, but it's not even there. And I remember it was 2002. It was either Spider-Man, Minority Report, or Star Wars. It was in that same stretch you know, of a month and a half there where I was going to one of those movies with a friend of mine, and he was like, I can buy these tickets online. I'm like, really? <laughs> wow. I don't feel like I'm in the future. And now like that is the only option you have. The the time of recording, this would be the last time I record an episode in Hobart, by the way. Yay. Celebration. Um, until <laughs> I have to come back home again, probably never in six months time. But um, <laughs> this nearest cinema to me, the one that I grew up working at, that does not have an automated machine. You got to go to the desk, but generally I will buy it online uh, because, and you just go and you show your ticket and then they go up. Um, and I think the one in, in Hobart doesn't either, but, I know in New Zealand, in freaking shithole in Chicago, they had an automated machine of all places. Um, Canada, well, you live there, but like in Victoria, yeah, it was all, or was it? No, I don't think it was the one we went to. New York, I think I went to one that was automated, one that wasn't. Like it just it depended which one you went to. But uh, do you know I just buy them online because it's just easy and you don't have to talk yeah. to people. And we like not talking to people, which is why we're talking to each other. For me at 7 a.m. on a Saturday morning. And for me at 11, uh, 13 p.m. on a Saturday <laughs> night. I'm out on a date, clearly, single and alone uh, in Hobart. Yep. Uh, if I'm your date, then you're doing something wrong. Oh, uh, Colin, you can be my date. Uh, well, you know who can be your date? Uh, a, a certain Mighty Duck we're going to get to in oh, about yes, an hour, please. hour and a half here. I would gladly. <laughs> real star, Julie re, the one cat. of the two real stars of this movie. Got a, got uh, a hairball. There's really not much as far as I thought like, okay, I want to read about all the production again, because there's such a long wait between the movies that maybe this had, you know, this, this massive production. We'll, we'll kind of talk throughout the movie about some of the little trivia bits here, but we can basically jump right into the movie here. Um, I, I do say, I, I love the opening here of the, the bad, you know, I guess they're supposed to be made in the nineties, but like with bad visual effects, like the, the TV mysteries in history. I remember Peter those Gray. type of shows. Like, that was a, that I was, love these. The 90, like, and I remember like the alien obsession in the 90s. There was um, yeah. always sort of one that would be like 10 o'clock on Channel 7. We've got extra exclusive footage of the Roswell abduction. You know, things oh, like that. And you know what? 
my favorite one of those, I mean, I, I, I guess technically my favorite was a show called Unsolved Mysteries, which was huge here and made my top 10. Uh, yeah, it was like my top 10 favorite shows of all time. When we did that. Uh, but uh, there's another one, which I only learned years later was an Australian show that we basically got with a North American host. And I'm trying to remember what that one was called. I think it was called The Unexplained. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah I didn't know it was an Australian one, show. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know until years later because I used to always watch it. It was hosted by Corbin Burnson from Ooh. Major League and LA Law. And it was on like three in the morning on like Saturday nights. And I would stay up to watch us. And it was like this really creepy, but like bad effects show. And then years later, I tried looking it up and I'm like, why is this guy Australian? And then I realized, no, we just got the North American host doing the Australian segments. There, that might have been, I know there was one of these ones that I watched and it like scared the shit out of me and it gave me nightmares. I, and it was an alien one. It was like an alien abduction one. So it might have been that. Um, but I didn't, yeah, didn't realize it was Australian, but. Oh. Yeah, it was kind Correction. of. It was called The Extraordinary. The Extraordinary. But I, I'm pretty, it's still like, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. But like these shows and, and Peter Graves, you know, the, I don't know if you ever got the A&E biographies. I mean, the, yeah. he was basically Mr. A&E in the 90s where you would have these documentaries. I mean, I don't think he did anything like this, but uh, but I know him more. He was he was he was the original Tom Cruise. This was Mr. Mission Impossible for the original TV series from the 60s and 70s. And then even when they rebooted in the 80s, they brought him back and they had tried to bring him back to play the John Voight role. John Voight plays the same character in the first Mission Impossible. But uh, yeah, Peter Graves is like, he is unusually funny because we also did Airplane with him where he played the pilot who was trying to pick up a little boy. He he played Ben. Uh, Ben is a pilot. (laughs) I'd like to be a pilot. (laughs) The Airplane movie, yeah. For a guy who I kind of grew up Having seen Mission Impossible, uh, you know, when I was really young, like the 80s one, and then uh, obviously the A&E biographies were something my mom would watch every single day. Like I knew him as Mr. Serious and then to see Airplane and this, it was always kind of funny to me, but like he's one of these guys that's just, you know, I guess equally known for his comedy as he is for his drama. But you know what this really reminded me of? Uh, this this kind of short segment here parodying this is, Lost when which I don't know if it was a season they did it multiple times where Lost did like one of those bad seventies mysteries of the unknown shows to kind of show the the stuff on the island. I think the Dharma Initiative. Uh, I think that was actually a separate like a YouTube clip they put on the website because we actually watched. You interviewed the guy. Oh, Francois Chow, like when he when he did yeah. the actual video things. Oh, is that what you're talking about? Because I know there was an actual one that we just watched ahead of the finale recap coming soon. Um, was kind of they did like a whole hour long documentary, kind of like one of these things. But yeah, Francois mm-hmm. Chow, he sort of um did a whole bunch of like the island, like Station C, and he would always have a different name in every single uh, video. Yeah, mm-hmm. great guy. Uh, a great interview. He's um <laughs> also coming soon in season four of Twenty Four. Uh, is he? Yeah, he's basically the reason wow. why Jack Bauer gets kidnapped by the Chinese. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, of course. Of course he was the Chinese. Oh, yeah, come on. Come on, Hollywood. <laughs> when will you learn? Uh, uh, but yeah, I like, I like the quotes here. It's like, here's one of the stories that, in quotes, never happened from one of the files that doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, and this cheesy video basically sets up the plot of the movie. There's, I'll try to understand the plot of this movie. The Zarthons uh, are trying to they're being chased and serlina is this evil tentacled woman who wants to take the light of zarthos and the princess lorana is trying to hide the light on earth but the men in black say no 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 you're not hiding that here 
Uh, and then I love the the part of the video though, where they're like, you know, the the men in black captured Sarlena and banished her, and they basically just all put like these nets over top of her head. Colin, and just have this cheesy tentacle creature swarming about. Can I interrupt? To be sure. rude, I've got the plot of the movie right here, which I can explain it if you if you're ready. Okay, for you me. go. Okay, all right. It's this chick, right? Selena making me sick, right? Earth is worthless <laughs> to her. She be tripping like, threaten me and my men's trying to get the light, thinking she be Superwoman or Black <laughs> Kryptonite. Finishing whatever you start, son. The best looking crime fighter since myself in part one. Better act right, play nice, and sing along. Cause K's back and he hype. What? Bring it on. That is the plot of this movie. I didn't even need to figure out the plot. I should have just listened to the lyrics. Listen to Will. All right. That's what he's bringing. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag bring Will back. Come on. Uh, and I'm going to say it like we said last week. I think better song than the first Men in Black. Oh, hands um, down. Number Easily. one of the three of them. Number one, followed by the first one, and then Pitbull. It's a decent song, but it's not Will Smith one and two. It's not Will Smith. It uh, needed to be Will Smith. Men in Black Internet did um, bloody, uh, what's his face, sing a song? Uh, for Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> uh, Liam Neeson should have done it. I will Men find you. <laughs> Earth be tripping like Sean Connery now. <laughs> The best fight, you know, best looking crime fighter since myself in Taken parts one and three. <laughs> Not two, though. Chicky, chicky, wild, wild west. Jim West, desperado. Rough rider, you don't want nada. <laughs> Getting jiggy with it. Na, 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 na. In West Philadelphia, born and raised, on the playground is where I spend most of my days. <laughs> Oh, God, please. Liam Neeson does Big Willy. Uh, (laughs) Switch. Um, Uh, uh, I can't do it. I still want Liam Neeson to do that. La, la, la part. What's that one where it's like, parents just don't understand? (laughs) Parents just don't understand. God. Uh, when's Will Smith bringing back his rap? I know he did the official World Cup song in 2018. I don't know if he's doing oh, the 2022 one. Come on. I love Will Smith. Oh. I always feel embarrassed as a white person if you're talking about hip hop. It's like, you know, I really love Will Smith. That's um, <laughs> But seriously, he's amazing. That's why like Eminem basically bags him out in his rap. But did you see they, they, Will, they're trying to get Will another Oscar, clearly, for that Emancipation <laughs> movie or whatever. I mean, the trailer looks amazing. He's obviously not going to get any Oscar buzz because everyone hates him at the moment, but it looks good. Yeah, I'm shocked that they're trying to release that because I saw the release date for that is coming up, like, really soon. I'm like, they're pushing a release of Will Smith. They are pushing for another Oscar, but, like, seriously, you think about this. If if that hadn't happened at the Oscars, he probably could have won back-to-back because that seriously looks incredible if you've seen the trailer. Can you imagine if we get Will Smith versus Brendan Fraser for the the Oscars this year? A year ago, that would have been the hardest thing in life. Now, Will's (laughs) got one, so I'm like, come on, Team Brendan. Uh, two years ago, it never would have happened, but then the Oz Network made them both a thing. So we'll, we'll accept on their yeah, behalf. Exactly. Wait till that. Toby Maguire comes back for Oscar nominations as well. So. Oh, and then Renee Russo picks oh. up the best actress. Well, so she should. Hurry up, Hollywood. Come on. And Jeffrey Nordling is supporting <laughs> actor. <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul Rudd. And <laughs> it was t- hey, I'm, I'm Edward Furlong, best cinematographer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Catherine Hepburn, darling. What if it was um, Tom Cruise versus Brendan Fraser? Oh, oh. <laughs> See, Tom's never won, but at least he's been nominated. But, like, he should, come on, give him a win. But oh. Brendan was crying when he got a standing ovation. Come on, he got me tooed. Poor Brendan. Yeah. I, I, I hate that people are like, they really should have hired an actual 400-pound obese man for this movie. <laughs> D- 
don't take Brendan's recognition from him. He deserves it. I like um, seriously. You know Super Mario. How they're complaining that what's his face is an Italian. Oh yeah. Like, are they complaining that it's animated and they haven't hired a real <laughs> human that they've created this in I a just, computer? Like, I just love that people are upset that they didn't get an Italian to play a character that is a stereotype created and voiced by Japanese men in the original video game. It's a Japanese stereotype of Italian people. And you you want this to be Italian? You know, in this movie, I'm going to cancel this movie. Jeff the Worm, not a real alien worm. Not a real worm. worm. Not a real yeah. worm. Disgusting. Uh, just, it's, it's racist and it's wrong. It's just- and how wrong is it that they got Lara Flynn Boyle out there in her underwear and setting an actual tentacled creature? <laughs> or an actual good-looking woman. Um, <laughs> Johnny Knoxville, an actual actor. Um, <laughs> what's happening with Hollywood back then? Come on. I mean, you could have cast a brand new actor, but it said, no, no, David Cross plays a new character. Yeah. Doesn't even, yeah, Tony Shalhoub, we don't even know what he's doing in this movie, but we're bringing back Tony Shalhoub. I just, Only two men are allowed to work in a Men in Black franchise uh, outside of Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Just this world we live in, like, it's getting worse, right? In, in a couple of years' time, <laughs> we're going to get cancer because we're impersonating podcast hosts. Like, put, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in all seriousness, people back in the day used to want to cancel Survivor Oz, not because we were racist. That was a few years later when Noah said these things. But, like, I remember when we first started getting listeners, people were like, oh, I don't think Ben should be allowed to do these interviews. I think he should have to give them to Rob. Greg Buis was wasted on Ben. Yeah. Rob would have done a better job. I was getting cancelled in like my first year because I was shit. At least I asked questions with substance. It wasn't Rob. It was like, oh, 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 hi, you're on Survivor. <laughs> Ding. Like, come on. That's all Rob does. And quotes about pizza. Uh, he does more than one thing. Yeah, well, uh, he let's makes get money. back to the movie. Not, You're not like, jealous uh, at all. Shut up, Ben. We we really need to stop bringing up Survivor around Ben. He just gets angry. Speaking uh, of Survivor, but- Max Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> that came pre-programmed with a label that said Max Dawson. You didn't even put that in there. <laughs> Every time his name gets said, it just has to be played. <laughs> it's human nature. It just happens. <laughs> uh, I mean, after we get the little prologue sequence here, we get credits like the first movie that animated stuff and this is basically just showing Serlina blowing up worlds or whatever um the music and everything uh, i i do like the cleverness kind of like the first movie where you think it's one thing but it's completely different because you see this massive ship crash on earth and you know grass and dirt's being thrown everywhere and then you zoom out and you see a dog hovering over it and you realize that it's actually this tiny ship uh, i love the guy here which <laughs> him with his dog stop barking the moon moron <laughs> Such a New York. I'm just going to say this one thing, Men in Black 2 does a pretty good job of getting New York pretty accurate. So good job, Men in Black 2. Yeah, well, I was going to I was gonna mention that they are playing more on, I think, stereotypes of New York in this movie, the, the subway sequence especially. Oh, the subway stuff is 100% true when we get there, <laughs> trust me. Uh, we get uh, Serlina swallowing the guy whole <laughs> and then emerging and it, she basically uh, – looks at a magazine that just happens to turn to a picture of Lara Flynn Boyle in her underwear and who? it morphs into Lara Flynn Boyle in her underwear. I gotta ask, sorry to keep interrupting, but like, who is Lara Flynn Boyle? Like, I think she was you know, an Ally McBeal, wasn't she? Is that what no, she's she was, known for? Well, the other one. So uh, I, I will slightly defend her because another show that made my list of favorite TV shows of all time was The Practice, which oh, was right, okay. preceded Ally McBeal by a few months, but then they crossed over those two shows. Like, uh. even though they're completely... 
they're completely different shows. You know, it, 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 taking a serious dramatic show and then crossing it over with a show that's essentially a satire, almost like every guest appearance that happens on She-Hulk every single week. It doesn't belong, but they cross it over anyways. But yeah, she was on The Practice and uh, she was basically brought in in the second season because the show was about defense attorneys and really sleazy defense attorneys. And she came in as the prosecutor. So they had a little bit of balance, but she was basically a sleazy prosecutor. Um, outside of that, like I, I thought she was great on the practice. I don't really get why she acted in anything else ever. She was famous for dating Jack Nicholson during the era where, you know, Harrison Ford was dating Calista Flockhart. And all well, of a sudden it's silly. not just, yeah, well, he's still well, married. He's married to her now. Yeah. <laughs> but they, they still date. And I said it wouldn't last. <laughs> but yeah, the whole you know, older guy with younger woman, Michael Douglas, Catherine Zeta Jones, she was part of that with Jack Nicholson and whatever. And I mean, one of them I, didn't I work. Find... So, I mean, we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do find the casting of her to be very like last minute. And she was, I mean, the practice was still a very big deal at this point. So, she was famous, I guess, but this was Fomka Jansen. Fomka Jansen was cast in this movie. Oh, right. And okay. they, she basically had to drop out of the last minute because of like a death in her family or something. And they're like, okay, we're going to recast this. So let's make it Laura Finn. I don't know. She just fit the costumes and it was that last minute. It does sort of seem like a, a bit of Fomka Jansen's always had cast in these roles, you know? Yeah. I could see, but I, I could see it now that you say that. Like, and but like we yeah. talked about Terminator Three, that like Fomka Jansen was the one they originally wanted to play the the TX and everything. Like, this is just the era where you have the villainous female who has to have her boobs out or whatever. You're gonna get Fomka Jansen. I, I just all I remember from this period about Lara Flynn Boyle is because the tabloids had her all the time as being so anorexic. She was Lara Flynn yeah. Boyle. That's all I remember yeah. her from. And like, I just feel that like her character is just nothing. She just doesn't do anything in this movie. And I don't know if that's Lara Flynn Boyle or that's just the character. Like I never watched the practice. It's probably the only thing I've ever seen. And is she alive still? Like, I mean, I just, I haven't heard from her in a while. Um, She's unrecognizable. If you look her up now, Uh, one of these people who's probably had oil now. Well, she's also probably had a little bit too much work done and it's worked in the opposite direction where somehow her getting all this work done to make her look younger has made her look about 80. Oh God. Um, I'm Jesus. Not, I'm not sh- <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not shaming her. I'm not shaming her or anything. Fuck. <laughs> she's turned into Zerlina. <laughs> Holy crap. Oh Jesus Christ. Get it off my screen. She looks horrible. I'm sorry, Lara, but Jesus Christ. It's funny because we were, we were, um, we were watching the, they just added the, the practice to, um, Disney plus here in Canada. And uh, we were watching it and Jamie was like, Oh, this lady's kind of hot. And you know, on the practice, she kind of is. And then I looked up at what she looks like now. And I'm like, Whoa, I don't know if that's the same person or if somebody is using a little bit of Photoshop on here, but something's definitely not she, right. She yeah. on Twin peaks or something, or has she been on? I that think or? that's what she started from was twin peaks. But like, I, I, I literally have only seen her in the practice and men in black. And I don't think I've ever seen her in anything else. Like it's, it's one of those things where I'm okay. I'm not shaming. Everyone gets old. Everyone ages. I recently saw Alicia Silverstone in American horror stories and she's definitely aged, but she's aged gracefully. She doesn't look terrible, but we would, what's the, um, the woman from top gun who, Basically, they said the reason why she wasn't in Top oh, Gun yeah. Maverick is because, unlike a lot of people from the 80s in Hollywood, she didn't grow up and get surgery. She just aged naturally and just looks like a normal middle-aged woman, right? And it, 
And in that case, it wasn't so much, oh, you're too old. It was like, well, you and Tom Cruise on screen now together looks like too much of an age gap. Yeah, exactly, because Tom Cruise looks so young. And again, shut up, people who are like, stop casting Tom Cruise at 20-year-olds. Tom Cruise looks 20. That's why they cast him with 20-year-olds, all right? It's not because it's like an older man, younger woman thing. They can't cast Tom Cruise with Meryl Streep anymore because they're both great actors who are probably the same age, but Meryl's aged gracefully and looks beautiful for her age. Tom Cruise looks beautiful for his age, but as an aging gay man, he still looks like a 20-year-old. So, <laughs> Sue us, we dare you. Come on, Tom. Uh, uh, Hi, I'm Tom Cruise and you're being sued. A lot of people put a lot of effort into this lawsuit <laughs> and we hope they do well. I'm Tom Cruise. I'm Tom Cruise. <laughs> Uh, one quick correction. I have seen her in one other thing that she was actually good in. She played um, Mike Myers' crazy ex-girlfriend in Wayne's World. Uh, so, oh, I haven't yes, seen that in a long time. But, okay, stuff. good for her. Uh, but, yeah, anyways, she walks around in her underwear for the rest of this movie because she saw an Adam Victoria's Secret. Uh, the, uh, the the mugger guy, I, I, I do like the, one of the few funny things she does in this movie where you get that Vincent D'Onofrio thing is where oh, hang on, hang the on, mugger Jesus, guy. What, what was that? Hang oh, on, Vin- hang on, hang on, hang on. I've got the wrong thing. What is it? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when she has a little bit of that Vincent D'Onofrio type performance, uh, where the mugger's dragging her away and her body's like completely stiff and her eyes are like rolled to the back of her head. I'm like, she should have been doing more of that throughout the movie. Uh, when she swallows the guy, you do get like her bloated belly. That uh, and then <laughs> <laughs> That honestly looks like that bastard level of um, bad. You know, and also Powers is meant to look bad. This just looks terrible. Yeah. Yeah, but I like I'm not I don't so much fault like the the practical effects in this movie because kind of like we said last week like it's sort of the style of this movie it's supposed to be cheesy. Um, uh, we we do get Will Smith in this movie finally uh, as kind we of. get he uh, shows up sometimes. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Will, not your best performance. <laughs> the uh, the little flower that's sticking out of the vent here, and um, we're gonna find they're talking this flower. You think it's this is sort of the opposite of a Serlina's introduction, where you think it's something massive, it turns out something small. Here, you think it's something small, it turns out to be something massive. Uh, we get introduced to one of my favorites, Patrick Warburton oh, here. Now, I, I, uh, I had watched Seinfeld, and I think he's probably still most well known for Seinfeld, but I mean, he's done so many other great things. Emperor's the new TV groove. With, Come on. Oh, the, the, the TV show he did with David Spade, Rules of Engagement, I absolutely oh, loved. Yeah. Um, yep. He's so good on and that. He's, he's what's his uh, face in Family Guy? He's the guy in the wheelchair. Yeah, exactly. And also the dish with Sam Neill. Is he in that? Uh, is he, he plays the American. He's the the one NASA American representative huh. in that. I have not seen that movie uh, in a very long time. I, I just love Emperor's New Groove. It's one of my favorite cartoon movies, and he's Kronk. I love Kronk. It's like Patrick Warburton is one of these guys. Like no matter what he does, is funny. Yeah, and he he ne- he never has to smile or go over the top or do triple flips and kicks, which I'm going to have a lot of issues with the fighting in this movie. This is going to be later on. Of course. And also Colin, he was in space chimps Two: Zartog strikes back. Oh, is that part of the, the Canadian, uh, air buds and puppies in space series, animals doing adult things. Uh, yeah, but movie 43, uh, that was the, um, the girl getting her period segment. I remember, saying like Patrick Warburton quite funny in that uh, just weird segment. Uh, he's basically good cop, bad cop. He's bad cop, but he's not supposed to be. Uh, he's starting to throttle the, <laughs> the flower here and uh giant worm creature comes up out of the vent and attacks them. And Will Smith's riding. This, this is maybe, I'm going to say this is the worst effects of the movie. Oh, the take your ride through the subway tunnel. Will Smith trying to 
inject him with the tranquilizer or whatever. Uh, it looks terrible. The way that Will Smith's like dodging back and forth. It, it, again, it's there's things that defy physics in this movie. I don't mind a movie being over the top, but like the first movie is still grounded in reality and you couldn't do things that aren't physically impossible. And the way that Will dodges everything here, it's going to come up multiple times in this movie. And just being one of the stupidest things. He head. If that's freaking Dennis Hopper in he's space, dead. he's decapitated. Yeah, exactly. It's just, I don't like the physical humor in this movie because it defies logic. Um, I do like the, uh, the the line he has about Patrick Warburton. He's new and kind of stupid. Mm. Uh, but uh, when the the subway, I guess, zooms past trying to outrun this worm and all the, the people waiting for the subway just sort of look and then the giant alien worm zooms past and they all look and they just go back to their regular business. And that's one of the things I'm like, they're having fun with New York in this movie. And, and I'm telling you now, that is New York. And the one that particularly screams New York for me is when he gets like thrown into the subway car and he's all like transportation. I want everybody to move. And everyone's just literally yes. like that. I'm not kidding. That is New York. When you are on a subway and literally <laughs> basically every second stop, you'll get some street performer coming on or some homeless person. Like I'm a military veteran. I've got cancer. I need money. Like screaming at the top of their lungs. <laughs> literally everyone is just staring at their phone not giving a shit. That is New York. This is a perfect recreation of New York. Yeah. Don't you wish that we had Hannah Stokely here when he crashes into the train? Yeah, exactly. Get off the train. You you mentioned like his line. It's like, we got a bug in the electrical system. Nobody does anything. I said, we have a bug in the electrical system. And then when, Jeff, the giant worm starts eating it. Oh, now you're all running. <laughs> now you're all running. I love Larry um, here. <laughs> it's like, I'm Larry Captain and I'm, Larry. I make the decisions. All right, Larry, now you see this? Larry's made a decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy, like, oh, I'm Captain Larry Bridgewater and I decide what happens on this trip. <laughs> Who is this guy? Anna Stokely wouldn't care this I, much. I got to say, like, New York, like, the subway people are just generally, the subway people, the, the mysterious race that people are rumored to live in there. But generally, <laughs> you've got, like, the, the announcers and they, you can barely hear them. That's kind of like, Times Square, change here, blah, blah, blah. I remember one being on one and the guy was so funny. He's like, you pull, he's like, they stop Times Square, 42, 42nd Street. Moving forward to the next station. Do not get off this train and get on the train behind you because that is not stopping. Trust me, you do not want to get on that train. I know the driver. He's an idiot. You want to stay on this train. I'm the party train, all right? Do not get off this train. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. He <laughs> was so funny. I'm like, okay, this is good. Oh, I, I think we mentioned on a past episode, we had a bus driver in Winnipeg that used to be like that. He'd call out all the stops. And it's like, yeah, and if you look over on your left, we have a homeless man <laughs> who is begging for change. And he'd do the entire bus ride like that. You've never um, been on a train. We've established this, right? You've no, never, no, oh, never. Go to New York. Just, just ride the subway all day. You can just do it all day. It is just, <laughs> it's a world of its own. Um, When uh, Jeff eventually stops us because Will pulls out the gun, uh, and I like when he neuralizes everybody at the stop here. There's some things that are done very well that Barry Sonnenfeld does really well to make things funnier than they would necessarily be in the script. Cause he's basically giving the speech. It's like, we want to thank you all for trying out our new smaller uh, energy efficient cars. And you don't see it until after he says that. And you look at like this half chewed car and all the people, their blank expressions. Uh, and I, I love doing the exact same thing he did in the first movie, getting very elaborate with his neuralizing the opposite of Tom Lee Jones. I like when he gets angry and he's just like, none of you listen to me. You do this. Yeah. Like, oh, 
And he does it again. And he's like, thanks for riding an environmentally friendly train. <laughs> had this been an actual emergency, y'all would have been eaten because you don't listen. You're ignorant. How am I going to come bash it through the back of a subway and you do nothing? Oh, we're in New Yorkers. We've seen it all. Oh, Mr. 600 foot worm. Oh, Mr. Bilevical. Oh, Mr. Black Man. <laughs> And he goes, I come in and uh, nice asking you to move to the next car. And they just flashy things a second time. Yeah, then he has a that. Thank you for our new energy efficient cars. <laughs> um, he goes up upstairs, up the stairs, I guess. And uh, Patrick Warburton's there. And this is the first of many pie mentions in this movie, which is going to come back in the third movie. The mm. something that wasn't a thing in the first movie, but pie is basically a thing in Men in Black. Uh, I don't, uh, there's got to be a reason Barry Sonnenfeld loves pie. I, I'm a pie guy. Like we talk about pie. this. Come on. And people say cake or pie. I'm like, I'm taking pie every single time. Oh, see, cheesecake. I'm I'm quite a Ooh, partial see, to cheesecake. But I would, I would almost say cheesecake is like a cross between a pie and a cake. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you there. Like, I, I don't get me wrong. I don't dislike cake, but yeah, that's a tough one because to me, like, it's in your part of the world, pie is dessert, right? Whereas Australia, yeah. pie is more of a savory thing, like a meat. Meat pie is our national dish. Mm. If you ever you go to the football here, instead of getting a hot dog like you do in, in America and Canada, well, you don't really get a hot dog in Canada, but you know what I mean. Like you get a pie at a footy game, you know, that's really thing. So, but dessert pies, yeah, they're pretty good. So I, I'd, yeah. I'm i with you. I'd probably say pie over cake. Yeah. It's very tough being gluten-free. Uh, we're recording this before Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, people oh, are yeah. listening to this after Canadian happy, Thanksgiving. Happy early Thanksgiving, Colin. I always forget yours yeah. in October. Uh, I mean, pie being my favorite dessert, you know, uh, gluten-free pie is very difficult to make. And uh, often I don't get a pie. Um, this Jamie's. I was going to say, are you, looking, are you to, looking up to Jamie I, going, where's my pie? Like, you keep I, looking over your she shoulder. She literally <laughs> came down the stairs as I was talking about this. And I'm looking, I'm like, oh, is she going to take this the wrong way? Well, you said that. No, I was trying to be like, don't take this the wrong way. I'm like, yeah. sometimes I don't get, you go to the store and you can buy 16 different types of pies, you know, you're limited what you can do for gluten-free. So yes, I, I miss out on pies sometimes, but if I ever oh. get a choice, I'm always taking a pie. Oh, and if you wish to donate to Collins, get himself a gluten-free pie and you can <laughs> sign up to our sign Patreon. Sign up to our Patreon. <laughs> Help a poor gluten-free man today by donating a gluten-free pie. Um. Patrick Warburton here, uh, where Will Smith just sort of like, like, you ever feel like you're alone in the universe? And then he goes, yes. No. <laughs> it's just fantastic. I really wish we had more Patrick Warburton in this movie. I know this was supposed to be Elle's character at some point earlier in the script. It was supposed to be Elle mm. uh, coming back. And then she got written out for whatever reason. I, I read some trivia. There's all these weird rumors that like Tommy Lee Jones said he didn't want to work with her. Um, and... I don't really buy that because he he wouldn't have been with her in this movie. Like the plan was always to bring Tommy Lee Jones back. You're not going to have a trio of characters in a, a movie that is a buddy cop film. So if she was in this, they would have written her out. I just honestly think they decided let's get Patrick Warburton. He's hilarious. Um, Cause I don't know, maybe I, I'm curious if Patrick Warburton had done anything else with um, um, what's his name? Barry Sonnenfeld before. Uh, Cause I almost feel like he's been in s several other things. I don't know. He definitely wasn't in uh, get shorty, but uh, I will look that up. Please uh, at do some point. Colin, please do. But you do, you do uh, hear a mention of L though. Like they do kind of just, yeah. In Zed said, when Zed's talking about neuralizing, which is basically what he's doing here. He's neuralizing all the assistants. Uh, he says, you know, oh, but L, I didn't neuralize her. She wanted to go back. Uh, no, so I was, uh, I was right. He had just done Big Trouble, which was 
what I say is a, a very underrated Tim Allen, Rene Russo knockoff of Get Shorty. Uh, Patrick Warburton was in that movie as well. That We really got to cover that movie. Oh, Tim Allen, Rene Russo, and Patrick Warburton, uh, directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. Uh, Dennis Farina's in this movie. Dennis um, Leary. Tom, <laughs> t- t- Tom Sizemore. Um, who else we got? Heavy D. Oh, Heavy D. <laughs> Andy Richter. Oh, yeah, we really should cover this movie. And Johnny Knoxville. So I guess that's the reason why we get Johnny Knoxville and Patch Warburton just randomly in this movie. Also, Patrick Warburton didn't even realize this. Is the voice of Buzz Lightyear in the direct-to-DVD and the animated Buzz Lightyear TV series they did oh, like wow. 20 years ago. Please. So he's he's <laughs> he's obviously a Tim Allen guy too because he also won Joe Somebody with Tim Allen. The only- Basically, everybody... 2001, 2002, everybody called it a favor and said, push Pat, put Patrick Warburton in this movie. We like this the, guy. The only reason I still haven't seen Lightyear is because Tim Allen is Buzz Lightyear. So I will refuse to see anything I, uh, without Buzz Lightyear. That's not Tim Allen. Come on. Like I started watching it. They, they added to Disney Plus and one morning Casper's up early. I'm like, we're going to watch Lightyear. And he's like, Buzz Lightyear. And we're watching it. And two thirds of the way through the movie he basically lost interest and asked to watch Toy Story 2, uh, which, by the way, the exact <laughs> same thing answer. happened. You, you you had asked before about how did he feel about Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Now he's seen two-thirds of the movie. I can say two-thirds of the way through Sonic the Hedgehog 2, he said, want to watch Sonic the Hedgehog 1? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, People tune in the Aussie Network and like, let's listen to Survivor Oz. That was good. Yeah, that's what all those listeners listening to Greg Bue's interview uh, where they said, Want to do Rob has a podcast instead? Um, that's why they all turn Col- on you. Colin, Greg Bui. Come on now. Bui, Bui's, Bui's, Bui. Like, like that's, is that the worst Bui. moment of my Bui. entire broadcasting career was introducing him as Greg Bui? I, I think up until you asked somebody if they were familiar, Meatloaf was from their hometown. I'm, I'm sorry. Yes. I like... <laughs> The fact of the matter is, according to Max Dawson, that Survivor Oz was cancelled was because I said racist things. Again, completely. So that's what I am known for in the Survivor community, not the fact that I introduced Greg Buis as Greg Bui, the only person in the last 22 years to have interviewed Greg on a podcast, still to this day probably the most listened to piece of audio I have done in my yeah. entire life. I called the guy Greg Bui. And no one gives me shit for it. No one. But I'm on a podcast where someone else says the word ghetto in a wrong context and I get the blame for it. Not What, what not do you right. think Greg Bui's favourite meatloaf Quig song Bui. is? Can we, can we get him back on and ask him? <laughs> Took the words wide out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been working me. It's like Kath and Kim. Uh, what's your favourite uh, meatloaf song, Colin? Uh, you know, I was thinking about that. I mean, I, I'm going to agree with Paradise by the National Light oh. can't be beaten. But uh, You don't get the context a... of that song, though, Colin Hilding. It's about sex. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. Then Are you serious? My you didn't know that? <laughs> my, my mom used to tell me stories about what she would do listening to Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Now I'm questioning Listen what she meant by her song. Listen to the song. Listen to the word. They're talking about rounding third base, going to home base, and basically, if you fuck me, I, you have to marry me, and then basically by the end of it, Meatloaf is saying, well, like, I, get- I want to die because I married you just because I wanted to fuck you as a 16-year-old and I'm stuck with you for life. See, I, I, got the, I always thought it was just about a funny relationship where it's no. like start, middle, and end. They're in a car. Uh, you know They're about to hook oh. up, and basically she's all like, if you fuck me, will you love me for the rest of time? And he's all like, oh, I'm horny. What do I do? And he's like, ah, fuck That's it, I'll fuck you. That's dashboard light. Oh, see, my mom used to always tell me about that song that – 
as a teenager, they would crank that song while she was, no joke, riding on the hood of a car. (laughs) So now... (laughs) Rest in peace, Colin's mom. Your mother used to tell you stories of her fucking on a car. Wow. I wish your um, mom was alive because I think your mom sounds like the coolest uh, person on the planet. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Colin, I'm, I'm never going to be able to hear the song again. That's my. You asked. Ask me what my least. Ben, right now, ask me what is my least favorite meatloaf song. What ask is me. your least favorite meatloaf song? Parents by the dashboard like because my mom had sex to it on a car. <laughs> I just like that was legitimately one of those moments where I'm like, oh, Colin probably doesn't know what it's like. They're meant to be a joke. Colin's literally like, oh, is it really sex? Is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> What is wrong with you, Mom? Okay, here's another one for you, Colin. You know that song by Salt and Pepper, Let's Talk About Sex, Baby? Uh, it's about fighting. <laughs> it's about fighting. <laughs> or it's about riding in a car. Have you heard of the song The Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang? About sex, in case you didn't know. Um, <laughs> Colin's I, so educated today. How many Rihanna songs do I just not understand? <laughs> you know the song s and by Rihanna? Do you know what that's about? <laughs> do you want me to educate you on s Ask Jamie. I'm sure she knows about s and uh, You know what I keep hearing? And I don't know if this was a thing before. I, I never discovered until recently. Now they never stopped playing on the radio. Is and a duet of s and between Rihanna and Britney Spears. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. That was... um. So they did S&M and then basically they did the Britney Spears remix. And I think that went to number one and S&M didn't, um, which, oh. yeah, I, I I always listen to the Britney Spears Rihanna version. I never listen. Every time the original comes on my playlist, I'm like, oh, what's this? I'm like, oh, it's a, the boring version with just Rihanna. So, see, I, I maybe it's because I know the the Rihanna version like so well that when I hear the Britney Spears, I'm like, somebody sounds <laughs> you, off about you, this. You literally are listening to that thinking like, oh, she really likes that chocolate coated candy. I, I'm, I'm not joking. Okay. So I have playlists. I do, I do at least three half marathons a year and then some other smaller, like five K's, 10 K's or whatever, but I have playlists for happening. Then I'll change up a couple songs, but there are a handful of songs that I always put on for certain playlists and the lead off track that I always put for one half marathon, I always do is SNM by Rihanna. Wow. Um, Not so anymore. I don't. It's about sex. Well, but if it's Rihanna having sex, maybe I'll run faster. I don't know. But if it's your mom, uh... <laughs> it's your mom. No, get off the car, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you the story about? Um, I, I think I have, but if I haven't, let's let's. This is a funny story. So, I was one time driving to my radio show when I was doing it with my co-host Anthony and my mom because I was dropping her off at work. And Anthony was telling the story about how well, we were talking about bad baby names. And basically he was like, oh, yeah, I know a, a person, they called their baby in a car. And I'm like, that's a weird name. It's like, yeah, because they were conceived in a car. I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. So my mum, without fail, just literally goes, oh, well, then, Ben, you'd be called in a beanbag. Uh, and, <laughs> and I'm like, mum! <laughs> then Anthony could not stop laughing for like an hour. Uh, <laughs> Mum gets out of the car. See you, man. Off to work. Bye. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm never sitting in a beanbag again. Uh, Can you imagine if our moms decided to get together and become friends? I thought you were about to go somewhere else with that. And I'm like, no, 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 no. no, no, no. I'm all for women-on-women relations, but there I'm drawing the line. I don't know what your mum looks like. I've never seen a picture of your mum. 
Probably hot. I don't know, but not with my mum. Thank you. But, um, <laughs> yeah, by the sounds of things, my mum and your mum would have gotten along well. Because there was a show, in a, well, there was a book written in the 70s called Puberty Blues. It was basically about these two teenage girls who grew up on the beach suburbs of Sydney and sort of their sexual expo- exploration in that era, in the 70s, trying drugs, going to the beach, having sex, all that kind of stuff. Made it into a movie. They made it into a pretty popular TV series about five or six years ago. And my mum would always tell me the story about how that was written by a girl a year older than her at her same school, and basically that's what her life was like growing up. So every time I watch Puberty Blues, I'm like, these girls are really hot, but I can't enjoy this because that's basically my mother. So, yeah. I have said this so many because I don't know how many friends I have, you know, um, or even just I acquaintances do. I've met. None. Who, <laughs> well, as we established, more than Ben at the very at very least, I got more than Ben. Uh, but uh, anybody of that era, like, because I think our parents are basically like born the same time-ish. Uh, that entire generation is just like, I don't know, we growing up were like, oh my goodness, our parents, everybody says their parents are embarrassing. No, our parents literally are embarrassing because like our parents have no shame and it's that entire generation and it's not just your mom, my mom or whatever. It's like any person I met who's born, let's say between 60 and 67. Yeah. It's just like, wow, like, like have a bit of humility. <laughs> when we did Swinging Safari, and I think I mentioned on the yeah. episode, that's basically similar to Puberty Blues. Like that was sort of the 70s in Australia, kind of on a beach suburb. That was kind of what my mum and that grew up in uh, as a teenager. My dad, my dad was a bit more of a bogan in the suburbs of Hobart. So, you know, not really that lifestyle, but it, you hear some of the stories my dad tells about him and his brothers and that growing up and basically just like, dad, you should be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> That's just Hobart been in the seventies. That's fine. It's normal. All right. Okay. What are we like? I'm never gonna have kids, and I know I might have a few running out there. I'll get a phone call one day. But like, what do I tell? Like, oh, I went to the movies a lot when I was fifteen and saw Men in Black (laughs) Two. I got called a racist on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I used to ask people what their favorite meatloaf song was. I'm like, I didn't know what Paradise by the Dashboard Light was about. <laughs> and neither will you, Casper, Casey, and Remy. Never, never know what it's about. You're not having sex. Uh, I should really get into this movie. <laughs> I told last you words. this wouldn't take long. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. I'm going to breeze through a bunch of this stuff here. So, uh, yeah, they go eat pizza. We, we get the introduction of Johnny Knoxville and Johnny Knoxville. Uh, I'm sorry. He just does not work in this movie. It's just the style of humor is... So like, oh, I'm so crazy. <laughs> he belongs in an Adam Sandler movie. Doesn't belong in Men in Black. Even he's not uh, funny in an Adam Sandler movie. Like I don't know when the last time you saw Mr. Deeds was. I love Mr. Deeds, yeah. but like I mean, come on. Like I'm nothing against Johnny Knoxville. I was never a jackass fan. I get it. It's a type of humor. I thought he was okay in movie 43, and I think I've seen him in something else. But like, he, yeah, you're right. He just doesn't work in this movie. Yeah, I, and. The introduction here we get to somebody who does work in this movie, Rosario Dawson. Does she? Um, she, I think so, because like she grounds the movie with a little bit of drama. And this is why I mentioned last week where you get fewer of it in this movie than you had with the dramatic moments in part one. But the dramatic moments in part two, I feel like really do work. It's just they're so liberal with them. They're like, you know, we're, we don't want to go to the opposite. They're so conservative with them in this movie. Like we don't want to go too dramatic. And I, if you had maybe done a little bit more with Rosario Dawson, I think that it probably improves this movie. Um, I, she's definitely of the female leads we've had. I guess if you're including Elle and Serlina as well, she's arguably the best in these first two movies. No. You disagree? I who who what, are you going to go with? What's a face in the first movie was better. 
I'm sorry. Really? She just like she's just one of these ones in this movie that like she just falls flat. She just doesn't seem to want to be there. And when she's there, like, what does she do? She hides in a thing in the pizza place. She has mild flirting with Will Smith, and she gets put in a spaceship. She cries and thing, and then she gets shipped off. Like it's like, mm. okay, thanks, Rosario. I, she's better in Adventures oh. of Pluto Nash, hands down. <laughs> I don't know about that, but uh, I'll point out a couple things that I like with her in this movie here. Um, anyway, she's at the pizza. Now, I, I, I take a bit of an issue with the fact that this is obviously a place she has worked at for a very long time because she says she's known this owner since she was a kid. This is like a 25-year-old woman here. She is not working her first job while she's still in high school. This is the first time she's made employee of the month in a small pizza place where she's probably the only employee. She's a sex I don't slave. Quite, exactly. <laughs> she's being kept in the, the, the basement. Paradise um, by the dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> it's about sex, uh, but This is uh, the reveal we get here where Selena, she comes back in, Rosario Dawson comes back in and, uh, Serlina is strangling this guy asking for the light and you realize he's an alien because she snaps a tentacle and he's body splits in two and he turns in vaporizes Do you know this guy? Light. Do you know this guy? The, the actor? No, I don't. He's, Who is um, he? he died earlier this year actually. He was in Dudley Do, right? Um, but <laughs> uh, the thing I think I've uh, Jack Keeler is his name. He died in like a few months ago but um, the there's a fever pitch you guys call it. We call it the perfect catch. Oh yeah. So if you remember, like whenever um, Jimmy Fallon's character, they go into the thing, that guy's like, "Hi, do you want to buy a sponge here? Have a sponge." Like he's that guy in like Fever Pitch, if you remember him. But uh, yeah, he was. This was in Point Break. We covered that. We did. Uh, but no, he was, and he's in Awesome Powers. I think he's one of the like random like people when they do the whole like dick jokes, like, "Hey, Woody, I've seen bigger." Mm. Like I think he's one of those people. But <laughs> yeah, I, I Fever Pitch, and um, I think he's one of the gang members in Dudley Do Right from memory. Your favorite. Yeah, movie. like I'm looking at he was also in Big Trouble with Barry Sonnenfeld and Patrick Orberg. Just to so, recycle everything. Um, is, yeah. Um, I mean, those movies were filmed back to back. So I guess it would make sense that he just puts a lot of the cameos in here. Um, but yeah, he's dead. Uh, <laughs> we want to eulogize Ben, the pizza guy? No, I don't think so. I thought you were talking about Jack Keeler, who also died this year. But um, this <laughs> fun fact: this is a, still a real, uh, at least a few years ago. I know a friend of mine went to this pizza place when they went to New York. Um, but I was going to go to this one because obviously I went to the Spider-Man Two one. But yeah, I didn't see this one. I don't know if it still exists. I should have because it's Ben's Pizza, so I should have gone to it. Yeah, see if the the picture is on the wall still. See if the there's an arrow on the box. Is no arrow would be pointing to something that's not alien. Um, anchovies and filet mignon or whatever they say it is. Oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's dead. Uh, we get back to Patrick Warburton, the now eating pie. And I just love Patrick Warburton. Like, oh, good pie. And they go on like back and forth. While, oh, good pie. It's like, yep. It's like, uh, this place is busy. Yeah. Well, they got good pie. Yep. It is good pie. I like the pie. <laughs> it's like this weird back and forth with the pie. And then he just bursts into tears and he's what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, you're you're never make a scene. It's like you are making a scene. <laughs> um, basically, he's asking him. It's like, you know, why did you do this job or whatever? And he says, you want to be a hero. It's like, have you ever heard of James Edwards? Nobody has. He saved however many people, and nobody knows who he is. He neuralizes him, uh, and he says, uh, you know, go off, get married, have a bunch of kids. So he's still trying to give happy uh, endings to people. Fill in the blank, Ben. Um, uh, I, so I, I, I every would, time I every time I say happy endings, I always get that reaction. <laughs> I so I was I was listening because you perked my interest when I hear the word happy ending. But I was just reading yeah. about Ben's Pizzeria that still does exist. 
in New York. Just saying if you do want to go there. So maybe they'll sponsor us for a week. Maybe. I'm called yeah, Ben. I like pizza. <laughs> exactly. And I'm talking about Men in Black too. So that, <laughs> that uh, if, if I was Casper, it would. It's a winner. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Casper's got a button now. On I the know, show. right? I can Bring finally push Casper's button. That's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Colin's leaving right now. Uh, what do you think about that joke, Casper? It's a winner. Uh, <laughs> am I exploiting you know your I, child on this show? I, I just, I, the other day, I'm like, the Blue's Clues movie is coming out next month. And Ow, I guarantee that, that I'm going to have Casper on for another review oh, to talk about the Blue's Clues movie. Can't wait. Uh, I've been waiting my entire life to watch Blue's Clues once, and now the, it's going to be the, the movie. So The crazy thing is this thing is being promoted like Spider-Man No Way Home because they have the previous two Blue's Clues hosts who are in the movie as well. I didn't even know there was and more than it, one. I thought it was the same guy. It's guys crazy. Still. It's it's getting this insane buzz where people are like so excited for this. I'm like, this could blow away No Way Home's box office records. And he didn't kill himself, right? That's always that underground rumor that the first right. host he killed did not himself, kill himself. And he didn't. It's like the don't worry, In be fact, happy guy did not kill himself. The the, uh, the 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 new host frequently appears on the new show, probably just to dispel those rumors. There was a show uh, in Australia. It was called um, it was like called Jimmy Giggle or something like that. I don't know some guy, and he hosts it with a puppet owl. I don't fucking know, but like. All the mums watched it because they're like, "Oh, he's hot!" And then now <laughs> he's like a stand-up comedian who does these like really funny TikTok videos. But um, Jimmy Giggle, I always thought that was a blues Australia's Blues Clues. I, I was too old for Blues Clues. I don't know. I don't have kids. Yeah, it was. I was past. But I mean, all my nephews were obsessed with it, and now my kids are too. <laughs> they so. liked it on Facebook every five seconds. Patrick, <laughs> yeah, yeah. get off Instagram. Oh, just, just wait until we review the Blues Clues movie. They'll all be liking it every on, uh, time. Every time I post something, within two seconds, PM Classen likes your post. What are you always on it? I want to I want to challenge people out there. Go out there and follow PM Clausen on Instagram and just wait to like whatever he posts. He never posts anything. That's the funny thing. Is he, he will like your post instantly but never post anything if, himself. If you scroll through any of our posts and they've got one like on it, it's him. <laughs> Like I just, I just like I'm not dissing your nephew. He's a cool kid. He's a supporter of the show. I like him, but it's just like, like why? Like if it was an hour later, two hours, like fine, okay, great. Literally, you post it, and usually it comes up straight away with two likes because there's always a spam bot saying promoted on Reality (laughs) Records. Fuck off, Reality Records. I'm not promoting it on Reality (laughs) Records. And the other one is always PM Classen likes your post. God damn. You know what? I will see him for Canadian Thanksgiving in a few days. I will wait to post this week's Amazing Race episode until I am there and then just watch to see how long it takes him after I'm literally standing next to him. Uh, I won't even give him the heads up. Just I will actually witness how quickly he If he's waiting, if he gets a notification yeah. anytime we post something. Kid needs to get um, off his phone. Just saying. He has a girlfriend too, doesn't he? Right? How does he have a girlfriend and he's on his phone no, all the time? Well, the other one has The a other one has, has a girlfriend. A, yeah. Okay, does that make sense He's also on his phone all the time though. <laughs> but like how, like I went out for dinner last night and by myself because I'm cool and there was this couple on another table. Literally the whole time they were on their phone, didn't say a word to each other. And like, okay, I've been <laughs> yeah. in relationships in the modern age. I know I've been in restaurants and that's happened. But generally like I'll look at my phone and put it down and then- Hello, Mallory, you're on your phone, probably texting a boy or something like that. But, like, it, it, like this couple the whole night did not get off their phone. I'm like, are you yeah. two in love? You know, are you sexting each other? Like, what, what are you doing? 
I'm not one of these people who's like, oh, you know, stupid millennials um, and criticize everything. To be honest, I don't care if people are on their phones, but but that's one of the things where I'm like, I'm going to go out of my way to not do that. Even when I drop Casper off at school or pick him up at school, I'll see all the parents outside just on their phones and I'm like, I'm going out of way to not look at my phone just so I'm not one of those guys. I like, I, I, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite because I, I will be on my phone. Like I'm one of those, like this thing I went to last night when I went to this meet and greet thing with Luke Longley, I was in this room waiting. I was literally like by myself and everybody else was like, you know, my own list. There wasn't even someone I could just casually like, Hey, Hey, can I join in? So I was on yeah. my phone for a little bit because, you know, I'm just going to stand there staring at the wall. But like, there are times when you can do it. The thing, the worst one of it all. And if Noah was on this episode, he wouldn't be able to help me out. Cause he's never been on a date. When you go on dates and your other date will go on their phone <laughs> sometimes. Now you're like, <laughs> This is going well. Because <laughs> like, I'll go, like, they go to the bathroom. You kind of quickly on your phone. Like, you might be texting someone like, oh, she's hot. I like her. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm, I need to leave. But, like, when they go on their phone in the middle of a conversation, it's like, it's like if I'm talking to them, like, oh, yeah, so I, I do this, I do that. And they're just kind of like, uh-huh, yep, oh, yeah, okay. And you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> do you like? Do you like try to analyze the move in their hands to see, are they swiping left and right right now? <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I'm, I'm single, Colin. I can't read girls. Um, I've been in situations where I've been on dates and I've gone like, well, this isn't going well. And then I end up at their place and it goes well. And there's definitely been times when I've gone on dates and gone, this is going well. The next morning, yeah, not feeling it. And you're like, ah, okay then. Uh, so why did you put your tongue in my throat last night? But whatever. Um, <laughs> so back to men in black. Uh, <laughs> so I take long. And J- Jay is back at men in black and complete opposite of the first movie. He basically runs the place like, all right, go do this. And Hey, Clean that up, and then uh, he's like, "Somebody, please, please explain why I have a dead tricycloplots going through passport <laughs> control." Really, mate, Macy's uh, in this and, movie, <laughs> and then you get this like terrified little guy. It's like, "I'm sorry, sir. Please don't neuralize me." And puts the glasses. You see, this is just like a fear everybody has. Uh, he goes and he talks to Zed. Zed's saying, "Hey, you see all those other guys out there? They work here too. We got it covered." Uh, this is actually a setup for the original ending of the movie that never happened. This thing about him being like addicted to his work. Uh, and I do love Zed's line here. It's like, you want to look me, you want to look like me when you hit 50 ish, ish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, this is where they mentioned about L wanting to go back to the morgue. So she's written out off screen. Uh, and, um, because he's neuralized Patrick Warburton, he needs a partner to go check out, you know, the ship that crashed and you got to send somebody. So Frank comes in and this is sort of like where we are saying with the worm guys and Frank, like you had something that really works in the first movie because it was, just a quick thing. It, it was anadarmus and no time to die. Mm. It's perfect because of what it is. You try to make it more and it doesn't work. They made it. They made her. Yeah, exactly. Mater's the mater in cars too. You don't need to make it the mater movie. Uh, Frank is mater here. <laughs> Frank should have stayed in cars one. Uh, Frank should have been the supporting character. Exactly. Dirty. I did. I before we started, I was looking at David Cross, and uh, I read David Cross had a feud with Larry the Cable Guy. I'm like, I don't have time to read this right now, but I'm gonna assume that somebody was molested. Uh, but, uh, Louis yeah. C.K. Ben, Louis C.K. Uh, well, no, we, we can't even get sued by Larry the Cable Guy. Well, like, come on, what is wrong with what's us? He's gonna do pick like, us up with his tow cable. Ooh. I, I will say, Frank still has his moments in this movie. The worm guys, not so much, but Frank definitely has his worm moments guy, in this movie. I, I always forget how much the worm guys are in. Tony Shalhoub's actually not in it as much as I remember, but he's, you know. Yeah. yeah. It, it's He's just weird when he comes in. It's like a completely different character, but he's not a completely different character. That's what I don't get. 
Uh, but uh, yeah, Frank, I do like the first appearance from the suit. That was one of the things that was marketed a lot. I think they even made a poster for Frank yeah, in the suit for this movie. Uh, but we're basically starting the section of the movie now where everything was in the trailer, which, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that's one of the reasons that this movie didn't quite have the impact when it came out is because all the best bits were in the trailer. I, reading some trivia, Barry Sonnenfeld himself complained that the trailer gave away all his best parts and that by the time the movie came out, it wasn't going to have the same impact. So Barry Sonnenfeld, who had no control over the trailer, had the exact same complaint. Um, but yeah, we get uh, Frank oh, when he's singing out the window here. Another thing that was from the trailer, oh. uh, you're back yeah. from outer space. Um, again, don't know if we needed this much Frank. Uh, and um they go, they investigate it. Uh, when they show up, Frank is not supposed to talk and he keeps talking. And then uh, uh, there's the one line here with these two men and black guys where Frank and Jay just keep exchanging insults back and forth. And they're just like, ah. I do like the one where Frank's like, well, what should I do? And Jay's like, sniff around. And the other guys just start laughing. Um, and uh, is this the one where um, after the sniff around line where the guys are laughing and Frank said something like, Hey, you got kids and no, do you want them? Uh, it's either here or later on. It's when they go to the I think park. It's later on. It's, it's uh, the scene after yeah. the next scene or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're basically interrogating uh, Rosario Dawson here. And again, he's like, you need pie. Uh, when he tells her the truth, where she says, just tell me what's going on. He goes, I'm from a secret government organization and there's an alien and whatever. And she's just like, okay, like, this is what I was talking about. What I like, cause I actually, I, I, I like the way that she brings a little bit of drama to this movie, you know, to the way she says, okay, here. And then when she's trying to, neural, he's trying to neuralize her and he's like, I'm sorry, I have to. And she's like, kill me. Like, she's just like very calm about it. And the way when he's explaining, it's like, you know, this is some of the job and she's like, oh, it must be hard. I just wish they'd done more with this. The same thing with the first movie. I'm not saying I want that typical cliche thing where you have a love story in every single movie even if it doesn't belong but like in the first movie they were trying to go that direction and then they got hesitant in this movie they go a little bit further but again they get hesitant but what i think works about this is it is kind of sad that they never do hook up in this movie but they kind of have this just natural connection where it's not it doesn't feel forced it feels like this is just the way people would talk back and forth yeah, I don't see it. I think it's forced. I think you just get tacked on a love story because you literally get a scene later on with Tommy Lee Jones when she's he's on the phone to her and he just says like, "Oh, you didn't say I love you," and then kind of like that's when, where I get bothered by when it, yeah. they're leaving and she's crying. Like, like, like they literally meet twice and then it's implied like they're in love. Like this is the plot of this movie. You need to do. You need to have the loneliness of it. Like that's yeah. where I feel it's just it's wasted. But that's why I like this scene though, because uh, you do get the loneliness. But it just scene. it doesn't like because it doesn't make sense to me. Like he literally asks her like two questions, and then he's like, "Let's go get pie." It's like yeah, and like you don't even really get like a level of this is where I think Will Smith like just phones it in in some of this movie because like at least in the first one when he's all like like great body like you know like damn girl like like you feel like he's like oh she's hot I'm flirting here he just literally walks in. And he's just like, yep, uh-huh, mm-hmm. you want to get pie? Sure, cool. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it just he just comes across as bored. And I just don't see, like, it's hard that Will Smith isn't charismatic. And, like, there are just portions in this movie where he just doesn't, like, there's a scene where, like, the bit when he walks into the elevator when the guy sitting in the lobby is literally like, oh, neuralize another guy. He does this weird, like, turn, like, robotic thing. And he just, it's, it's odd. And it's like, it's just, mm-hmm. it's weird to see Will Smith at parts of this movie just, wooden and just not will smith-esque it's i don't know like was he waking up just in shitty moods and yeah i don't know jaded kicked him out the night before i don't know maybe he um, had slapped, hadn't slapped anyone in a while 
Yeah, exactly. He just needed he just needed a good slapping. He, he needed, needed Judy Dench to walk in there and <laughs> slap around. I guess we'll just kind of wrap it up before we get to Tommy Lee Jones. Um, when uh, he doesn't neuralize her and he ends by saying, I'll flash you some other time. Uh, we get another part in the trailer, the who let the dogs out part, which again, we don't need all these dogs. What bothers me most about this is it doesn't make sense because we know this is just something inside of a fake dog body. It's not a real dog. And they'll mention that throughout the course of the movie, but then you'll have things where he'll be talking about humping legs and they'll hear a dog bark in the distance. And Frank will be like, Ooh, a woman, like you're, you're trying to make it like he's a real dog, but you're constantly telling the audience he's not a real dog. And the most obvious joke you could get is having who let the dogs up play. Like it's, it's just horrible. Um, and the, yeah, it's the next scene here where they're investigating the ship where he has got kids, no want them. And then you kind of hear the background like, and the guys screaming, Oh, get them off of me. That that's kind of funny that it's happened in the background. Uh, and will just calls Zed and says, we have a Kylothian attack or whatever. And Zed's like, Serlina, he goes, old girlfriend, she wishes. Uh, this it does kind of get played well in the movie, the, this thing where it's like Serlina has a thing for Zed. Uh, and I think it's because they don't go too far with it, but he's just like repulsed by her. Uh, and he explains, well, I don't know why she's coming to get the light. The light's not on Earth. We took care of this a long time ago. Well, how do you know? Well, because I put my best agent on it. Uh, who is that? He works at the post office. And then they are going to cut to Tommy Lee Jones in a second. We'll cap it there and then start with Tommy Lee Jones after this. I am a fan of who let the dogs out. I think we've had this discussion before that you're not, maybe. I, I, I can't remember. But, um, it, I mean, it dates this movie a little bit. And that song was hot two years prior to this film. Um, but uh, Like this and Mambo Number no. 5, the only two songs played on the radio for a year straight. I've interviewed Lou Baker. That was a good interview, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I tracked him down, got him back on the brink back in the day. One of my tracked down the 99 singers, as well as uh, Jeffrey <laughs> J, lead singer of Eiffel 65, one of my favourite interviews I ever did. So... Love that. Love that interview. Listen to... Oh, there's the third song overplayed. Ah, that's the second greatest song of all time, Colin Hilding. I won't hear a bad (laughs) word against it. Come on. Um, It's not S&M by Rihanna. (laughs) (laughs) Well, did you hear the version with Britney Spears? Uh, (laughs) um, Just going back on everything... We're not going to go everything. The the things I wanted to say sort of about the opening stuff... um, I mean, I'm, it doesn't. The opening doesn't go for as long, like with the like that kind of, you know, like the first yeah. one went forever. Um, I like just some of the things that just fall flat, and I feel like they're trying something that it just doesn't work. Like, I think they're just trying to do this whole loneliness thing because you've got that scene when he comes out of the subway and he basically says to the guys like, "Oh, you know, subway station's closed." blah, 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 and they, like, abuse him, and he's just like, you're welcome. So, like, you know, showing that underappreciation that he's getting as he's going to say to Patrick Warburton after, but it just it falls flat. It doesn't land. Like, it's kind of like, okay, well, what are they trying to imply with that? Um, I just got to say, 81st Street, Natural History Museum, used to go to that station. It was near where Casey lived. I've been there. Made me sad. I want to go back. I miss it. <laughs> um, nice station, by the way. They actually have, like, all fancy, like, Natural History Museum stuff in tiles on the walls. Like, it's just a really cool station. Anyway, New York, Brad. Go to New York. It's a great city. Um, the things that just don't work and just fall flat. Selena shows up to Johnny Knoxville, and then he just comes in, and he's just all like, oh, ha-ha, you're talking behind my back. Like, oh, jokes, lol, don't we have them? Who are they to each other? Like, yeah. she just walks in, and, it's, and he's just like, oh, Selena, ha the light's on Earth. Oh, I know a guy. Okay. That's it. And what happened? Does Johnny Knoxville die? Like, he just disappears. He Daniel Craig's it from Tomb Raider. He just, Vince Vaughn's it from the Lost World. He's there, and then he's just gone. My question is, how long has he been on Earth, too? Because Serlina has been gone for forever, 
And like, is he a sleeper agent? Is he, has he been sent here ahead of time? It's like, he doesn't contribute anything to this movie. He essentially seems to have been sent to earth by Serlina to just wait for her to do nothing. And I think the plot hole, like, I wouldn't say if the plot is totally convoluted because at the end of the day, there's two warring alien factors. There's it's, it's the first movie plot. They want a small thing to protect whatever. And they're going to destroy the earth because of it. The thing that's never explained in this though, is what, like Selena getting the light. Like, what is she planning to do that? Does it's, she want to destroy the other aliens planet? Because I don't know if they say that, like what's bad well, about her see, having the light. I, to me, it's kind of like the galaxy, you know, like you don't need to know. They're just like, it's very powerful. But I think it's in the Peter Graves intro. He says something about, you know, it is a source of unspeakable power, like an energy source. So, but that it can be used for a weapon. So I think that's the idea is this is, this is the, the whatever the plan, the Kylothians or Zarthons, the Zarthons, this is their energy source. But if you got there, it's the power of the sun in the palm of your hand. That, I think that's basically what it is. But I think in the first one, they at least explain that, the bugs want to get the galaxy to destroy the other people's planet, right? Yeah, I, they I, never explain what what Serlina is going to do with because, this. but this is the she's thing. all well, she's a, we, the opening credits show she's destroying planets on the way to Earth. So well, what more she, are you going to do other than destroy planets? Because I guess that's the line. I know she says a line like, "We want the light, and we will destroy any planet." That's why it's all like, "Oh, Earth is in danger." But like, for all we know, her planet is running out of like power. They've global warming, fossil fuels. So they're just wanting to get a renewable sense of energy to feed their other aliens. They're not saying if mm. all they need to do is say a line of like Selena wants the light so she can destroy the galaxy. Like they don't say that. They're just like she was like poor Selena's planet. All the little plant people are dying. They just want renewable energy. All right, <laughs> come on. I feel Selena, as we always say, not really evil. Okay. Yeah, not not the bad guy. Exactly. And like this is the thing. Like the the planet, the one with uh, Rosario Dawson's people. Like, mm-hmm. if this is so precious on their planet, why are they fucking traveling the universe with it? Like, yeah, like I think they were trying to hide it somewhere where she wouldn't get it. But, but why hide it on Earth? Because that's where Selena was. You know, like I, they never quite. But that, I, I guess that is kind of a Men in Black thing. They never quite explain everything in the plot. But yeah, it, it because they make the plot in this movie compared to all the other Men in Blacks so elaborate and so you know. It convoluted, it bothers you more than it would in Men in Black 1 and 3 where they also explain very little. It's literally the plot of 9-11, right? Where it's like everyone was looking for Osama bin Laden. So they've gone like, oh, he's Afghanistani, he's there, he's Saudi, we're going to look there. Then like basically Afghanistan was like, hey, Pakistan, you have him. And Pakistan like, we don't want him. And they're like, no, you're having him. And then America invades Pakistan, kills him, creates an international incident with Pakistan. Pakistan like, dude, like this wasn't our problem. You just shoved him and, on us. So this is Earth. And then we find out. And then we find out all he'd been doing in Pakistan for ten years was watching porn. Exactly right. <laughs> That's all I want to do in Pakistan. I, I'll go to Pakistan. I wouldn't say no. If any Pakistani listeners, please invite me to your country. I'd like to go. But I, I'm not a Osama bin Laden, so America's not going to like <laughs> land and try and kill me. But anyway, plot, plot points aside, whatever. Um, yeah, I don't know if I really have much else to add that I haven't already chimed in with. Um, uh, you're talking about like the drama with Rosario Dawson. Like it just kind of falls flat when, when she pulls out the thing and she's like, you want to kill me? And he's just like, oh no, no, no. I just want to wipe your memory. Why is she so calm that she just wants to die? Like it just, (laughs) it makes no sense. Like, and like the whole thing about him not neuralizing her, make that more of a theme because he's just like, Oh no, he gets in the car, drives off. 
And then later on when Kay's all like, you didn't utilize her, that's section blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I know I didn't. Okay. Like, like there should be some sort of like, uh, I don't know what well, I'm trying to find. So like um, uh, uh, consequence, that's what I'm looking for. There should be a consequence for him not doing that. And it's a missed opportunity because it just, it makes no sense. So he could just not neuralize some people who believe him and then he could just be like fucking around. Yeah, I, I, I think it's because of Kay's connection to the mother um, which really he doesn't know she's the mother at this point, but like they're, they're trying to draw the same parallels to, Hey, I was in your position once upon a time where, you know, I was too attached to somebody, but yeah, it, I honestly do believe like what I said earlier, that most of this stuff that's not explained wouldn't bother us if it was in men in black one and three, because those movies don't feel the need to have such an incredibly complicated plot. And by this movie just shoving so much in the movie, it, it just leaves you with more it's questions. Just, it's I think at the end of the day, it's a sequel. And they want to mm. go bigger and better and, oh, what worked in the first movie, let's do that and let's try this. And I just think it just doesn't stick the landing. There are some stuff that does, but it's just, I don't know. Like, I, I love the Will Smith scene when he's just, like, going off, like, at the subway people and say, you never listen, you New Yorkers, oh, we've seen it all. And he's just like... <sighs> And then he just like does it again. <laughs> like that's funny. Um, yeah. You know, there's stuff like that that definitely does. Here. And like, and like, I like it kind of he's like when he's yelling at Frank in the car. Cause like, again, the, the trailer's ruined it when he's kind of all like Frank, like, you know, when he's humming the song, like funny, but um, yeah, even Rip Torn, <laughs> Rip Torn. Um, he's like, really messed up in this movie. <laughs> what's with the hi ha ha way Lin scene yeah. later on? Like, oh God. Um, one thing I, I, every time I watch this movie, I always think to myself, I should look up and see if that's Nick Cannon, the, uh, don't neuralize me guy. And I finally just did it right now because I realized I forgot to do it when I watched the movie the other night. That is Nick Cannon. So this is, I guess, an early role of Nick Cannon as MIB agent. Please don't neuralize me, Mr. J. Um, and Nick Cannon might be the busiest man in Hollywood because he's had 10 children with six women. I'm and just he's... looking him up. Am I meant to know who Nick Cannon, Cannon is? Have we talked he about was, him before? I mean, yeah, he's, he's, I guess, well, now he's kind of, I guess, most well-known as the host of, uh, is it America's Got Talent? Oh, uh, but like, never yeah, missed an he's, episode. No, I mean, he, he's, he's one of these guys. He's, he's, a, he's a rapper. He's an actor. He had started to do movies around this point, but I think he was already famous. Uh, but I remember this whole early 2000s, he would do a lot of movies and people were like, oh, that's that Nick Cannon movie. Are they still trying to make him a movie star? I don't think his movie uh. career ever quite took off, but he was, Mar- I know he was, he was married to Mariah Carey. I think that was the longest relationship he had, Who but wasn't? yeah, the guy, the guy's mostly well known for having 10 children with like a handful of women and he's early forties right now. So I don't think anybody's had more sex in the uh, history of Hollywood than Nick Cannon. Doesn't Eddie Murphy have like 18 children with like 18 different oh, women it, as well? I guess Nick Cannon and Eddie Murphy are battling it out right now. Big, big dogs, <laughs> right? Nick um, I, I've, I mean, come on. Nick Cannon was in goal two, living the dream. So, <laughs> I mean, how do I know? I'm literally looking at his, I think I might've been forced to watch Shall We Dance. I don't know. They're all those dance movies of the early 2000s. They're all the same, right? Um, oh, he's in Garfield the movie. Cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, like some of these early movies here, I remember being like Drumline, I think was the one that was mildly successful here. That was why, like what we call those bands that play in, um, music, football games and stuff. Love don't cost a thing. It was a romantic comedy. Yeah. He was like a teen actor, I guess, who kind of evolved now into banging a lot of women. Oh, he was Um, in real husbands of Hollywood. 
There. Oh, he that's is. it. I prefer um, fake husbands of Hollywood, personally. Nick Cannon uh, <laughs> <Sorry>. nominated for <laughs> that was a nominated for a. <laughs> that's a certain <laughs> worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Listen, that's meatloaf level there. That's Max Dawson <laughs> level of shit. <laughs> I prefer the fake husbands. <laughs> what the fuck that was, was that? Just- <laughs> that was just rubbish. I was going to say, Nick Cannon has been nominated for almost as many Teen Choice Awards as he has children. Um, I, I I got nominated for a Teen Choice Award once, but it got rescinded because I'm not allowed near teens. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on with the humor on this show? <laughs> I thought uh, it was getting good. Read so reading this right now, uh, he has two twins with Mariah Carey. Um, his next wife or woman, he had three kids with, and he had two more with the next one, one more with the next one. Uh, and he, in 2021, revealed that he was going to be celibate for a while. But it, so at the so end Colin, of 2021, so Colin announced too. <laughs> at the end of 2021, Nick Cannon said he was going to be celibate for a while. But then in January 2022, he announced he was expecting his eighth child. Since then, he has had three children. He's had three kids in a year. Is this possible? Yes. No, two kids. So he's had two more kids. In the last year since announcing he was going to be celibate, he said two, he had a child born June 28th, 2022, and another one born just a month ago, September 14th. Um, wow, man. he is a busy man. <laughs> I, I just want to say this, Nick Cannon. Um, condoms exist. Uh, just saying that. Eddie Murphy also has 10 kids, by the way. I looked that up. Although I'm a bit worried when you type in how many kids does Eddie Murphy have and it comes up with 10, then it's got like the little Google graphics. Question says, mark. Children. And then underneath when it says people also search for Jim Carrey. How do I get how many kids does Eddie Murphy have featuring Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey's his, his illegitimate son. Apparently. Uh, that's that's related to that. Um, it says here, Jim Carrey's trending. I'm like, oh, tell me too, Jim Carrey hasn't died. Uh, no, he hasn't. At least at the time of recording. You just, it, Jim Carrey is having a child with Nick Cannon. That's the new news. Although there is a, a headline here in the news, actors in Jim Carrey movies you may not know are dead. <laughs> <laughs> How do I get that job, journalism? I just want to, like, watch movies and go, actors in Jim Carrey is- movies that you might not know are dead. Is one of them Ben the Pizza Guy from Men in Black 2? One of them is Philip Baker Hall. Uh, Not Philip Baker Hall. Good actor. Judy Clayton, Robert Forster's dead. No, Rance Howard. Oh, no. Um, Richard Jenny. He's killed more people than Ben Waterworth. Actually, Richard Jenny was his friend in um, The Mask. I didn't realize he's dead. That's sad. Oh, well. All right, Men in Black 2. Okay, this one take long. we're into the trailer now. So essentially, the next 10 minutes of this movie is the trailer, <laughs> the first trailer. Um, we get to the post office, and Kay is going really Men in Black on this poorly wrapped present. That's The whole joke here is that it's like he's still stuck in, I need a whatever perimeter around this, and he's literally working the post office. Jay comes up to the counter and he he looks at his name tag and says Kevin. He goes, Kevin, that's just funny. You don't have like a Kevin Brown. A Kevin. And I just want to say, I am I know a guy called Kevin Brown. So You know what's funny? His last name is Brown because in the first movie, every last name that white, he was black. trying to give yeah, what it was all the colors, but yeah, that's his last name. Um I, I like though, and he says we used to work together 
and uh, Tommy Lee Jones is like, I never worked in a funeral home. And then he calls him slick. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is one of the things where I'm like, the, the, the humor doesn't feel like men in black humor where he says you're part of a top secret organizations and he, there's a free mental health clinic wherever. And he just walks away. Like, it just doesn't feel like to, it that, that doesn't have a Kevin to me. Yeah. Also, I was wondering, like they're given the letter of their name, but does that mean they can only, if, if they have an opening, so Patrick Burton, I think he was Agent D in this movie, if I'm right. Um, T, I'm looking at it right I now. T. T. So does that mean that they can only hire people with, they can only people. hire Todd's <laughs> or Trevor's? Like if you get the most experienced agent who comes in and I don't know, their name is Rosaria. <laughs> they're not allowed to be hired. I'm sorry, we're only going to look for T's right now. We, we have an R. I mean, I get I. Yeah, I see the point, but do we actually know if this Kevin Brown is his real name? Like, or did they just give that to him when they wiped? Yeah, him true. Because I mean, so. we know that James becomes Jay, but yeah. yeah, that's a good point. I want to see if uh, I can't remember what um, Tessa Thompson's name is in the first one, but well, maybe we'll find out when we get to the <laughs> fourth. Shit, <laughs> <laughs> that's Man, actually that a name. So much wasted. Who gives a shit? <laughs> <laughs> She's W. <laughs> um, all right, so the post office scene here, this was all spoiled in the trailer. I yeah. wish that it hadn't been because it's a great reveal, especially because you. this is some of the best makeup you get in the movie and some of the best animatronics when they're in the back room and this is where he gets a boom, suck a boom, suck a boom. Uh, and I, I didn't even realize until I was researching the movie, this other guy here, the, the, the beatboxing alien, Biz Marquis, that he's semi-famous. Uh, I thought to myself, I know the name Biz Marquis. I wonder if I know any of his songs. Before he started recording, I, I flipped through about a dozen of songs, never heard any of it. And I was kind of hoping that he would be like a beatboxing guy, but like, no, he's like, he basically sounds like Big Willie, but with no energy, uh, <laughs> which is weird considering the character he's playing in this. Uh, we get the reveal of everybody. Uh, another cameo here, I guess not a cameo at the time, but uh, the guy who's playing like the, um, the, the, the tiny head guy, he takes off the wig and the sunglasses. He got the tiny head. That's Doug Jones, who is like the Andy Circus of let's put them in makeup. He's been in every movie where somebody had to wear, like he was the alien that had sex in, uh, Pan, not Pan, well, he's in Pan's Labyrinth too, but what was it? Shape of Water, that was the one. Oh, the fish. Uh, yeah, he was the fish in the fish, the, the fish oh, in water. I thought yes. he looked like the was, fish uh, in the Shape of Water. <laughs> the silver surfer in the Fantastic Four movie. Like literally this guy only plays characters behind makeup, but that's what he's famous for. Uh, and we, we also get the, the, the mail sorter guy where they open he's it up. Familiar. And I, I was wondering if it was a real person. Is he familiar? He's famous. Uh, Jeremy Howard, Jeremy Howard. That's sounds- so he was in galaxy quest. Uh, how he played drew Lou who in how the Grinch stole Christmas, which we covered Kyle in galaxy quest. Who's Kyle? Um, <laughs> My favorite character, Kyle. I love Kyle. Uh, Kyle's one of the kids, like one of Justin Long's friends. So he just um, looks familiar. Like I mean, there's teen a teen bunch- waiter in Catch Me If You Can. Uh, maybe. I mean, Buffy the Sam Vampire Slayer. He was dead nerd. Um, I don't know. Was- Buff- oh, judging Amy, he was waiter. He's also the only person in this movie who's not in big trouble that year. Um, so, yes. But, yeah. He's in Breaking this, Bad. I was... Sketchy in two episodes of Breaking Bad. Who is Sketchy Oh, in Sketchy, Breaking of course. Bad? Let's look him up. Maybe that's who I'm thinking it is. Sketchy uh, but, Breaking Bad. Yeah, like, if they had not revealed this in the trailer, I could just imagine this being like, this is a Hall of Fame scene, but it's all revealed in the trailer. 
Uh, Tommy Jones storms out, but yet he's not buying it still. You you know, sketchy. He's the one in when Jesse's having his parties who's just standing there ranting and raving, going on crazy rants. He's just going like, oh, then I did this. and oh, no, 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 no. Like he's just that crazy guy. He's like sitting on the stairs saying it stuff. Yeah. Kind of rings a bell, but not really. Yeah. He was in two episodes. Um, he was in open house and bullet points. Uh, so, yeah, we get these cool aliens in there and then Tommy Jones storms out, but he's still not buying this. He even mentions uh, my wife and I saw Siegfried and Roy. So your act doesn't impress me. Uh, and this is where you get like the 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 speech to bring him back about, uh, um, you know, do, do, don't you ever look up at the stars or whatever? And wonder if there's more out there. And he mentions this is why your wife left. You know, we talked about this last time. I'll give my complaint now. Uh, I don't mind that they don't have his wife in this movie. I feel like you can't go ahead with this a sequel if the guy's married. Uh, but it's the fact they decided to say your wife left you. Like, I don't know why you had to take what was a happy ending. We need a sound effect for that or something. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. We have one of those. Um, uh, I have for a happy, go, ending. That's a happy ending sound effect. Uh, <laughs> hey, Colin, uh, that's actually, when you have sex one day, that's what happens when you come. I was just going to say, do not use Casper's It's a Winner when we say happy ending. Uh, but it's a you winner. Take the, <laughs> but you take the happy finish to Tommy Lee Jones' character in the last movie, and you basically undo that, whereas you could have continued to have that be a nice happy ending. Oh, well, hang on. No. Woo, there we go. It's a winner. Uh, no. Uh, and just say, you know what? She she passed away. And then it's still, the, the ending of the first one isn't ruined. I feel like her just leaving them ruins that first movie. But still, it's just, it, we have to do, I, you have to do it with it at some point. It's yeah. like Elle's character. You know, it was it was the Back to the Future 2, or sorry, the Back to the Future ending of, we never intended to put the girl in the car and then we were stuck. Yeah. They're kind of stuck with Elle and stuck with the wife. It's, um... And again, you've not seen the Zoolanders, which come on, but it's, it's like what they do in Zoolander 2. They basically just kill Christina, Christine Taylor off in the opening like 10 minutes. And you're like, oh, just so we can sleep with um, Penelope Cruz or, or Selma Elizabeth Lannick. Hurley in Austin Powers 2. But I, I mean, the thing with, I give it to Austin Powers too because I think that actually works. Like that's they one of the ones. They make that the joke. Yeah, yeah. They make that the whole thing. Um, and it's a parody film, so it kind of works. Whereas, like, I remember not liking what they did with Christine Taylor's character in the second one, but then, like, uh, when I watched it the other week, I was like, okay, that makes sense. He just wants to fuck Penelope Cruz, so Ben Siller. Mm. I'm sick of Chris. I'm sick of my wife. I, it's like Daniel Craig <laughs> when all these movies, like, oh, I liked her in that movie. Bring her back. <laughs> um, when they go back to the Men in Black headquarters, we get the door guy again, which, again, like, the door guy was a funny joke in the first one. I feel like they give him way too much to do in this movie. Even though he has, like, three lines, it just feels like it's too much in Is this it movie. the same guy? Is it the same actor? I, I I wasn't sure if it was the same guy or not, but um, maybe you can find that out. Um, they told the we get, fine, now right. we get the, the big cameo. Ah. So this is something that still makes me laugh. This could have been spoiled in the trailers and still made me laugh. I knew it was, but I, I, it was spoiled. Did like, you know he was I, in this? Yeah, I knew he, I mean, I'm a massive Michael Jackson fan, so I knew, I think it got leaked. So I remember going into this I, knowing that he was in it. See, I remember, because I vaguely remember there being a news story of Michael Jackson will have a cameo in the Men in Black movie. Uh, but even even knowing he was going to be in this, I, I had no idea that this would be the cameo. And that's what's so perfect about this. It's not just we're putting Michael Jackson in the movie. It is the perfect cameo. He is on the video wall, so he's an alien, but he's actually in the movie. And then you get him, you know. Is he you, an alien? You, you, I didn't well, think that. I, I thought that. I I thought the joke was because, that he's Michael Jackson, and they've used him to help out 
and he wants to become like I thought that. But was you see, a joke. I, I kind of look at it that like the men in black are the humans, and they use aliens for the other world, which is why Frank is like you're not an agent. So I kind of looked at him like Frank. You know, he he's our helper, but he's not an agent. But yeah, we, we basically I could be Agent M. I could be so he's actually playing himself, which makes it even better. Yeah, and he's a good um, actor, Mike. Like this is the thing I don't think yeah, anyone it's, ever it's gives Michael Jackson for. If you watch some of his film clips. And the movies that he has been in, Michael Jackson's actually a good actor. Although there's nothing that you can do to make Michael Jackson a gang leader and bad. That's the only uh, thing. That, yeah, no. I mean, but like, have you seen the full like 40 minute oh, version yeah, I've of seen that? The, like the, I've seen the long version. Like, like there's a storyline to it. But again, like you don't buy Michael Jackson in that role. Yeah, I, I see it. Like I definitely see it because he's a little bit maybe too white pointed nosy at that point but like i don't know i still uh, yeah i don't know I'm, I'm just a defender of michael jackson so you know uh i, I like michael jackson i i don't want casper to comment on him but uh, it's <laughs> uh, a but, winner. <laughs> but uh yeah michael jackson's good i i i never have gone out of way to like oh I, i'm gonna listen to every michael jackson album ever recorded but oh. like i probably know almost every song he's recorded but yeah when you did with your you, your uh tlc or not your tlc your uh, bank not bangles who do you like what's the the, the, the go-go's go-go thank you One ranking all the songs yeah like i could do that with the michael jackson songs easily um uh, what would be your name your favorite michael jackson song i've got to speed this up but name your favorite michael jackson. uh i had three of my top 100 uh i think either smooth criminal or dangerous came out at number one but i also had who is dangerous it? wow da- the song dangerous off the album da- dangerous is my favorite michael jackson album uh great album um but something about smooth criminal just always stands the test of time it's just uh it's a great song about and i, I just on the new york level to transition back into men of black too because it's set in new york if you're in new york go see mj the musical it is brilliant and just what they can do on that stage is just insane and miles teller the guy who plays well there's three people who play michael jackson but he's the main one won a tony this year for playing it he is just insanely a carbon copy of Michael Jackson. And I know, I know you're very anti like, Oh, impersonations shouldn't win awards. But like this guy is like everything from the walk, the talk, the mannerisms, the singing, the moves. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Michael Jackson. Awesome. Love this cameo. It's so fucking good. Best cameo in all three of them. Well, four of them. I I was trying to remember which song it was. So I'm like, I think probably the best Michael Jackson song was the one that, Sam Smith ripped off for writings on the wall. And yeah, it was earth song earth song. Yeah. yeah. Amazing song. But uh, song. yeah, earth earth song would have been a, it would have been a better bomb theme than writings on the wall. Um, all right. So yeah, Michael Jackson, I could be agent M. I could be agent M. Uh, it's hilarious. Um, there's a uh, scene where he's being shown around. This is basically, you know, a flipping around what they did with Will Smith in the first one, kind of touring the men in black facility. We get the thing where there's that little globe and Tom Jones, oh, what's this thing? He sticks his finger in. You see all these tiny people inside the ball. All is lost. All is lost. lost. That's a, all is lost. That's funny. Uh, and then he gives him the weapon. He goes, your favorite weapon. He hands him the noisy cricket. And Tom Lee Jones is just like, what? <laughs> uh, and then another part that was spoiled in the trailer, uh, the last suit you'll ever wear. Again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it still makes me laugh. I mean, that, that, that's the thing is that I, I really just wish that this hadn't been spoiled in the trailer because I'm still laughing at a lot of this stuff, even though it was in the trailer, but I just imagine how much harder would I laugh if I hadn't seen it, you know, 30 times before the movie came out. Uh, and then we get the, 
they're going to the denuralizer. So this is what's going to give him his memories back. I wiped out the first one. And he goes, the denuralizer, you know, whatever that uh, uh, can unlock the key scene. There's this big, long speech. He goes, oh, cool. What's that thing? The denuralizer. <laughs> I literally have a friend, believe it or not, um, but he's like super nice guy, but he has, I swear he's a goldfish. Cause I can sit there and just be like, Oh yeah. So I did this, I did this. And then I'm doing this and he'd be like, okay, yep. Cool. Right. And you sort of have silence and he'd be like, cool. So what did you do? And you'd just be like, I did this. And I'd like literally, he just, it's like, he didn't hear a word you said. <laughs> That's Jamie. That is a hundred percent Jamie. Yeah. I will say something to her and then she'll be like, Oh, I still remember. Um, uh, no, this, this is slightly different, but, uh, um, I can't remember what it was. We were, we were walking through a mall and she was talking to me and I, I had said something and she's like, Oh, cool. And then like, no joke, like 15 seconds later, she's like, you know, what's really cool. And she mentions exactly what I said. I'm like, Jamie, uh, we were just talking about that. She was, Oh, when were we talking about that? I'm like, it was only five seconds ago. <laughs> that, that, that is Matt on Australian survivor archives. Like he literally will like 10 minutes later go like, Oh Ben, we didn't mention this. I'm like, yeah, Matt just, just did. Like, honestly, one of my biggest personal pet peeves is when, like, I don't say when people don't listen to me. I host a lot of podcasts that people don't listen to. I'm kind of used to it. It's more of a thing when, like, even, like, in an email, like, if I send in a question to somebody or something like that and then they bring something up, I'll be like, yeah, I already said that. Um, <laughs> like, it's just one of those things which, like, sometimes I just really have to, like, yeah. bite my tongue to be like... I said that, but like, okay. That's right. <laughs> Having to have people working from home uh, the last couple of years and communicating everything to like my team members in chat. I don't know how many times I'll message something. And then like the next thing, you know, somebody's asking, okay, so what are we doing with this? And yeah. I'll literally just be like, scroll up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like oh, the yeah. answer is right there. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think I snapped, I think I said in our 007 chat group, I think I snapped at Noah the other day because he was like, ah, oh, did you know that there was a concert at like the Royal Albert Hall? Yeah. Like, sure, that's it. I'm just like, I said this like two weeks ago that there's this concert coming up and I want to go to London for it. You don't listen to me. I just, I'm so that's, used to people not listening to me starting to that's how, that's, me. That's when you should realize you've been muted. Yeah. I think my entire life, Colin, I've been muted. Ben's muted. Ben's muted. Yeah. <laughs> Only got titles to the episodes. Um, I love this. Jamie actually can overhear me, I guess. And she, oh, when I was talking about her doing it, she, she, she replied with, I totally do that. Worst memory ever. That's why people can trust me with secrets. I forget within minutes. <laughs> Remember that time? Like, I think, uh, I think it was when Noah and I were on our little trip around Tasmania and we were like, we're just going to like every single photo of Jamie's. And yeah. We went through Instagram it was like, 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 Why did we do that? And then you made it, the, be the best part is you made it to a competition after that where it's like, let's see which one of us gets Jamie to like our posts first and you post up at the exact same time. Oh, Jamie got mine first. She yeah. had no idea. I didn't even tell her. We're a little bit too obsessed on. with your wife, Colin. Uh <laughs> Yeah, she's a winner. Hang on, what is she? She's a winner. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, oh, we get the, that's a slap. That's Will whoa. Smith. <laughs> that's, did you cue that up just because we're doing Will Smith month? No, I think that man fact over on our double yeah. <laughs> It's also a Will Smith fact. Yeah. And, and that's a Will fact. <laughs> well, I, well, I, um, I don't know why I have a whip on here. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's for when we queue up S&M. <laughs> oh, correct. Well, okay. 
Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we get, um, a, a little bit of a tour of the men in black facility as Serlina and Johnny Knoxville here. Are, Why are they there? Uh, trying to check in. I, they're, they're trying to, they think the light is there. That's the only thing I could think of. But it might like, cause they, is, they hold it hostage. It's one of these things in this movie that annoys me. It's like you need, and maybe there was a deleted scene of them going like, ah, we've got to get like, it just, it comes out of nowhere that they are just there. And so is it the plan for Johnny Knoxville to faint, to distract them, to like, like all yeah. we need is one scene, a line, something where they say, I don't know where it is. Ben didn't have it. How are we going to do it? Oh, Agent K, I know if we go to Men in Black and Evil, we just need one thing because this just yeah. comes out of nowhere and it makes no sense. You also are smart enough to realize that everybody knows K's retired. The worm guys know. Frank knows. Like everybody knows that K's retired. Johnny Knoxville should know Kay's no longer with them. They don't know he's been brought back. They don't know they intend to bring him back. So it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, I do like some of the little things like you actually see one of the aliens getting their disguise where they're putting on a human head. So now you get like, oh, this is what happens. They arrive there and Men in Black gives them disguise. Uh, You get the alien father and the alien son where the son's eating Burger King fries. Burger King is very prominent in this movie. Product placement. Uh, I think Serlina's even eating a burger here. Yeah, and burger King will come up again. It'll come up again with her later too. Um, basically, when they take over, because John Knoxville fakes a heart attack, uh, they go into lockdown, and Will Smith said, "We've been firewalled and flushed. What's flushing? You'll see." And the entire demineralizing chamber turns into a toilet bowl with the blue water and everything. They get flushed. Uh, this is, I, I, I'm going to say probably still to this day, the hardest I laugh in the movie after the whole flushing sequence. And then they come out right in the middle of Times Square hmm. and, uh, Jay's like, Oh, you used to love getting yeah. flushed, Kay. <laughs> Every Saturday night, you'd be like, flush me, Jay, flush me. Yeah. I'd be like, no, don't quit on me now. <laughs> yeah. that, that, I'll give that. That's classic Will Smith right there. That yeah. That's what we want. Uh, and th- they basically have to, uh, now go find a black market deneuralizer. So they bring their car up and this is where he's got the key fob and the, the valet comes up and another part. This was, this was the main part that Bonnie's Bonnie Sonnenfeld, Barry Sonnenfeld was annoyed with was, uh, the fact they included this injury because he, this was improvised where this does not come in standard and Will Smith improvised on Seth. Actually it came with a black dude, but it kept getting pulled over. <laughs> Barry Sonnenfeld loved that. It was improvised, kept in the movie, and then they put in the trailer. He was so upset because he's like, this joke's going to not be funny by the time people see this movie. And literally, no, that would be the entire trailer. Um, so there, on the way there, they also reveal the half picture. I have th- I've had this on me ever since I could remember. What is this? And it's basically a half a picture. We're going to uh, find out more about that later. Uh, and when we get the return of Jeeves, this is Tony Shalhoub. And it is just the one scene. The, the thing that I just don't get about this is that why is this character completely different? Why is he all of a sudden like homie G Jeebs? You know, it's like, Hey, uh, uh, this, this is banging and stuff like, this is not the same character. And I, I, in a weird way, I like that his character is completely different, but like, there's no explanation behind his personality change. And listening to Will Smith. Um, He has been (laughs) exactly. I'm getting jiggy with it. (laughs) Miami. (laughs) Just the two of us. Oh no. Kay's here. The three of us now. Uh, But um, he has this black market de-neuralizer that uh, they scrolled through on eBay and he's all nervous when Kay's in there and Kay doesn't recognize him. And so he's looking at him like, you don't recognize me at all. No, no. Can't say that I do. Uh, Now, the one thing I will say with the Tony Shalhoub sequence is 
also some of the, the best jokes, some of the stuff I still laugh the hardest at in this movie is probably the Tony Shalhoub stuff. So as weird as his character is, I like it. Um, <laughs> and when they're trying to convince him to use a demuralizer, he's like, nope, don't got it. Sorry. All out. <laughs> Fresh out. Like, this is going on and on. And then who did he finally bring it up? Besides, even if I did it, it's like, you're going to shoot my head off. And it's like, let's say the thing works. All right, let's say the thing doesn't work. You shoot my head off because it doesn't work. And then if it does work, he shoots my head off just for the fun of it. Uh, and the, the the weird setup they have here, it's like a lot of household appliances. One thing that just isn't funny at all, again, it's like this comedy doesn't make sense. You have this guy who's terrified of them. And when he starts delivering the lines about the, um, like the, the whole flight check-in, it's like, fasten your seatbelts. It's like, do you have any loose jewelry? And why is he saying this? Like he should I, basically li- I like, randomly like that bit with that. Are you allergic oh, to shellfish? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like if if it, if it made sense in the context of the story, I might like it a little bit more. Um, the we also cut back to the Men Black facility where uh, Serlene has basically released all these prisoners. We get Jara, the henchman who gets very little development, but they probably could have done a lot more with it. Uh, where you have this guy with his massive body, you're gonna find it later on. It's just tiny head in a ship and there's all the mini Jaras, but I, I kind of like, I love the design of Jara. I think this guy, it looks intimidating. I'm kind of scared of him, but again, like they, they introduced this thing about him having this rivalry with Jay and then it just goes nowhere. Uh, they try out the de-neuralizer. It blacks out half of New York. And um, then all of a sudden when it kicks back in, uh, <laughs> you just get Tony Shalhoub. Perfect. <laughs> this is the way it was supposed to work. And then, Kay comes to after being blown out of the chair. He shoots him in the head and uh, he's like, oh, you got your memory back. It's like, nope. And it's like, how did you know his head was going to grow back? It grows back. <laughs> uh, th- that's kind of funny. Although again, I, like, I don't really get why Kay is going to just go around blowing people's heads off. Yeah. Uh, he basically says his brain needs to reboot. I don't have updated software. And Kay storms out. I'm out of here. I gave you your chance. I'm done. Uh, Tony Shalhoub has this, this is, this is the part that I really laugh at where he goes, I I hope Jay, that you, you remember, even though this didn't work, all the years of loyalty and trust and respect we built up and all of a sudden all the henchmen's breaking is he's right there. He's right there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he gets shot in the head again and then you get, uh, oh, now nothing's going to taste right as this (laughs) keeps growing back. Uh, I, I like these henchmen because, again, Men in Black's really good when they introduce something really insane and wacky, but they don't go over the top of it. The guy with the super deep voice here, or uh, what is it, a lower your weapon, and, and Will Smith in response, no. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> deep voice. How, yeah. how does that feel, baby? Mm, lower. How does that feel, baby? <laughs> oh, hang on. I can I can try something better than that. How does that feel, baby? Mm, lower. How does that feel, baby? <laughs> You're on the ball with that one. I'm impressed. Thank you, Colin. It really makes That's... me feel helpful when you say that. Now let's just see how quickly you could respond to Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> hang on. It's probably easier if I just do um, this. Dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> or, you, dun, I have dun. to ask. <laughs> or, it's a winner. It's a winner. <laughs> Did you actually? I wonder because you program these yourself. I guess some are um, presets, but like, these are these. Did are, you label them? Uh, the, these ones are preset, so basically, yeah, I can do these ones, um, and I can do like Colin in space. Um, they're like presets, but, but I mean, but, like, 
do you personally label this is the it's a winner this is the Vincent oh D'Onofrio. those ones you do uh sorry you've said it like three times right so and then i guess and then i guess one more um yeah so i basically you do label them yes it's it's a mm, fancy okay. little thing um some would say that it it's a winner yeah so yep now now here we get the one that we are, we're already disagree with and i, I think our disagreement is going to be very minimal here because the Balchinian, okay, so you got K gets his memory back, which I also want to, before we get to Balchinian, ask, so when he goes outside and he's looking around and he starts all of a sudden seeing, wait, I think that's an alien, and he sees the alien, and then you get these people riding by on the, the tandem bike. What is that the, bike the thing? It keeps them. showing up. It's like but, in the first and the second movie. Well, what is it? Yeah, well, I actually read the, the trivia for this and found out that's those are real people who ride around New York like that. This is like the naked cowboy in Spider-Man where they're like, this is something that people in New York know. Naked cowboy so is definitely movie. real. I've seen naked cowboy all the time. Yeah, when I go to but time, I was so. going to ask, like, you've never seen this because apparently these are just people who do this in New York. I have never seen the bike, bicycle people like this. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, uh, naked cowboy, 100%. That, he's still there. He was still there when I was living there. But, um, no, I, I've never seen this bike. I didn't think this was a real thing. Oh, apparently it is. Uh, I want to see it now. Uh, let's get them on for an interview. Yeah. There you go. Ding, ding. Uh, <laughs> so when he gets his memory back, he comes in to save the day during the fight sequence. Uh, you got the guy, the the the, the, the poo face guy uh, who has uh, 100%. They must have used the salacious crumb laugh from Return of the Jedi with this one guy. Because like, <laughs> uh, that's the exact same. <laughs> Like that? <laughs> it is, I don't know if they were trying to create a new Willem scream with the salacious laugh, but uh, it's got to be the same one. <laughs> you, you, I think only dogs heard that one. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> oh, no, nothing's going to taste right. <laughs> uh, oh, shit, hang on. Ah, uh, nothing's going to taste right. <laughs> I don't need to play with it. Right. I laugh too much. So now we get the Balchidian part. So... Take he's trying to hit him, and nothing's happening. Tell you, he's a Balchini, and he pulls down his thing, and you see testicles hanging off his face. Now, Colin's so anti-testicles on face. No, but here's the, here's the thing. I remember laughing at this when I saw it, but then it gets ruined by something that's going to be even worse later in the movie, which is K jumps about eight feet in the air, levitates in air, and kicks the guy in the balls on his chin. Now, it's the kick that ruins it. Because, again, this is that defying the laws of physics that didn't exist. This isn't Austin Powers. This isn't the naked gun. This is Men in Black. It still is grounded reality. And when you have the, he's a Balchinian, that's a funny line. You don't have to throw on the most ridiculous <laughs> kick in the history of the Men in Black series at this point. Until you just pointed that out, I've never noticed it before. <laughs> oh, it's good. I hope it bothers I'm you now because... It just looks a bit matrixy. I look. This is the one bit in the movies that I just remember laughing the hardest at. And my friends, we just said this so much in high school. Like, He's a bull chinian. Ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> uh, so like that's the one that's just always fifteen-year-olds. Exactly right with testicles on chins. So I like Hugh Jackman. I I, I am pro <laughs> testicles on chin. That's and, all I'll say. And you know what? If you sign up to Patreon now, Ben may be able to afford his surgery to reattach his testicles to his chin. Exactly. I want my, my I was going to say, I want my dick on my chin. What? Um, <laughs> wasn't that an SNL just skit? Just the balls? Dick on a chin, a dick in a box. Um, <laughs> Colin, actually, just fun fact, that's about a penis in a box, if you didn't get it. You know, really? Yes. His name was not Dick. It's a winner. Uh, <laughs> okay, stop playing that whenever we mention sex stuff. It's, it's a winner. <laughs> 
I was, this is completely off base now, but, uh, you know, Casper, he, he's a parrot. He will literally repeat whatever he hears. You have to be very oh, careful sweet. what you say around him. He's not listening to our show. Um, the only one to listen to is off the podium for a reason. But uh, uh, he he picked up the word shut up somewhere, which we're like, Casper, you shouldn't say that. We're like, he's going to be repeating this to kids at school and he's going to get in trouble. Um, we found out there's a, you know, the, the gummy bear song from yeah. uh, probably around 2002. I'm a gummy, a gummy bear. bear. Yeah, exactly. I'm a gummy bear. <laughs> Which my kids will watch that video for like an hour straight. But we discovered uh, there's a Gummy Bear animated series that has storylines and everything. We cover it. So Casper, he's really into the Gummy Bear show. Casper will cover it with us and he'll say, it's a winner. It's a winner. (laughs) But uh, on that show, Gummy Bear must say shut up is like a catchphrase. So it was when he was watching an episode, we're like, this is where he got it from. So when it played, Jamie said, Gummy bear says, shut up. It's like, don't say that word. And she was telling him that. So he will take things literally. So now he about a hundred times a day just says, shut up. Don't say that word. Gummy bear. <laughs> and it's always those two things back to back, which reminds me of. I want to hang he, around with Casper more now. When he taught himself how to read and write. Um, one day I noticed that he had written the word in pen on the wall. No, or no, sorry. He didn't, he, he wrote something. I think he wrote his name on the wall That's and I funny. just pointed at it and he was still too young where I'm like, Casper, I just pointed at him like, no, Casper, no, you don't write on the wall. No. And he's like, okay, daddy, I turn away and not five minutes later, he has written the word no on the wall. I'm like, I wasn't telling you to write no on the wall. <laughs> so yes, be careful what you say. And even when you tell him not to say something, be careful how you phrase it. Cause and now we have shut up. Don't say that word, gummy bear. This is why I've never been invited to your house uh, since 2018, <laughs> clearly. So, you know, that was all I remember from Casper and that, that was a phase of on the floor. I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm crying. Yeah. Does he still do that? Does he still do that at all? Every once in a while, but Remy started doing it. He never even heard Casper do it. So it just runs in the family. You got to announce it when you're crying. And Make wait, sure everybody knows. Casey's eating his own shit, right? Or is that Remy's eating his own shit? That's Remy who does Casey's it, Casey's yeah. a good one, right? Casey's the one we well, like. Yes, but Casey's also one who likes to hit people over the head, and sometimes he grabs very hard objects. Who do we like? So, whoa, 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 what sort of hard we like Casey? We like Casey because he's the quiet one, at least. But so he eats his he's own still shit. gonna. No, that's Remy. Oh, Remy eats his own shit. God, your children Casey, are all weird. <laughs> Casey's going to hurt you, but he at least won't make your ears bleed. That's the difference. <laughs> so yes, listen to Casey's this show. Your ears are bleeding right now. Um, yeah, well, Casey can listen to our show. He's not going to repeat anything. Anyways, Men not, in Black. Are you calling um, him dumb? Or? <laughs> no, he just doesn't repeat everything you say, thankfully. Um, uh, anyways, yeah, we, we get another running gag that's going to happen in the movie, even though he's got his memory back. They keep trying to ask him, okay, so what is the light? Don't know. Okay, so w- 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 what is this light that they are trying to get? Never heard of it. And it's like, okay, then how would he not know? You got memory back. I don't know. I must have neuralized myself to forget it. Uh, and this is where we get the whole old old and busted new hotness thing as the car comes up as they're just fighting over the keys. And it, it, this, the what they don't forget in this movie is the awkwardness between Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith just works because he's basically saying, no, I drive because this is the new hotness. And you just have this awkward stare that feels like it goes on forever. And eventually Will just hands over the keys. Uh, we'll, we'll cap it there. Um, I, yeah, the flushing bit, funny. Uh, like I like that bit at the end, but like the whole lead up to that, like just the toilet bowl thing, are we meant to be laughing at that? I don't get it. Um, 
I as I already made my complaints about the whole like invasion of I was about to say CTU. Uh, of MIB, it kind of doesn't really work. That, CTU gets invaded all the time, you know. You may as well just say that. Um, what is this alien thing that Frank's hiding in? Where did that come from? Was that there the whole time? That just kind of showed. Mm. And why does Frank have a headset? Like- that's see, that's something that took me three or four viewings of this movie to figure out. Um, but it, it when they mention why is there a dead triceratops on the floor or whatever. You see Nick Cannon saying, please don't denuralize me, but I don't think we ever really get a good shot of it. That's what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be the dead whatever that was just sitting on the floor they hadn't disposed of yet. And that provides Frank a hiding space. Speaking of 24, I just want to say this now because I'll probably forget about it when we get to the scene. Uh, the the bit at the end when they're screaming through Times Square in like the spaceship and getting chased by Selena. don't know if you noticed, there's a giant banner in Times Square that says 24, the hottest new show on TV. So ah. uh, obviously filmed around uh, end of 2001. But Yeah, see, I, I always liked watching that. This is going to be the second episode in a row I bring it up. Uh, Spin City, <laughs> my, my favorite show, my favorite sitcom in the 90s. Um, Spin City, uh, I was watching it recently, and it was an episode that aired in like 99, but they showed a shot of Times Square, and if there was a Batman and Robin billboard. I'm like, <laughs> they got to be more careful with their recycled exterior shots. Um, there's a bit of a plot hole, I feel, with Tommy Lee Jones pulling out a photo in his pocket, right? So the whole... This is the last suit you'll ever wear. Again, like funny, but like, do they give him the literally same suit that he wore before he got his mind wiped? Like, and would they not have cleaned this and somebody else is going to wear it? Or are they just a retired agent might come back one day? Um, And like, I just, I think the biggest thing I weirdly hate in this movie is why the hell is there a black market denuralizer? It makes no sense. Like, I mean, why would aliens have this to help out MIB agents? Yeah. Like it's just, it's it, to erase memory. If it well, it's a denuralizer. So I guess it's to give people back. So the, I, I guess the idea is aliens like men in black erase this person's memory. I'm going to give it back to them. If anything, wouldn't the neuralizer go online to like basically leak? Cause that would be a cool, we talked yeah. about that last week. That'd be an awesome tool to have, but yeah. Cause like the only, the only uh, value that a denuralizer would have would be on the humans because that's who they de- that's who they neuralize. So you want the humans to know that there are aliens on the planet, even though you're there hiding. Yeah, it's just it's just odd, and it's just like uh, I I don't I don't like it. Like it's just it's it's just a weird thing to not like in a movie. Like oh, I hate the fact they've got a black market because I think literally like uh, Will Smith says like oh the plans of it leaked on the internet. This is a secret government organization that nobody knows exists, and somebody hacked into MIB. Like what they the hell can is erase it. Your identity and your fingerprints. They can't go and just erase all eBay ads for a denuralizer. Can't they just go see Tony Shulip and erase his mind and steal this and bring it back to MIB? But plot's yeah. got a plot, so you've got to have somebody else have it. Like, this is where it should be like, rather than there being another denuralizer, it should be like, oh, I heard about this old technique. If you do this, or you, I don't know. Like, just it just, it just, it's dumb. It's stupid. And then it's just made out of an old colorful iMac connected with like a ball on a chain and then like a. Uh, plot's got a plot, I Lawnmower. guess. Lawnmower. <laughs> yeah, and, like, he puts, like, a balloon thing in his mouth to breathe. Like, was any of this in the denuralizer that we saw in MIB? Like, he was just literally sitting in a silver chair thing. Also, I like um, Martha Stewart. She's, like, being yeah. interviewed on the screen. <laughs> um, which, I say, Martha Stewart, not really a thing in Australia. I don't think we ever got the big deal with Martha Stewart. I only really knew who Martha Stewart was when she went to jail and David Letterman used to bag her out all the time. Um, but then obviously like she became cool because he was like hanging out with Snoop Dogg because why not? Mm-hmm. Um, listen to some of Snoop Dogg's song, Colin, they're about sex. <laughs> uh, 
Um, They're not about drugs? And sex. You can combine (laughs) the two, all right? Extra fun, Colin. Um, When you drink one day, uh, you might understand. Um, Yeah, I I don't. Like, the... uh, just the Selena stuff at MIB just is dumb. I just don't like it. And I, I think I'm jumping out here to the whole freaking rip-torn kick thing in the head. Like, what the fuck is that? But the ball chinny and stuff, I love. Like, I've never seen that kick before in my life until you pointed it out. But uh, I, I don't know. I just love balls on chins. It's funny. Like, Hugh Jackman <laughs> with testicles on his chin. Like, that you, funny. Uh, you You've developed this fascination with, Human centipedes recently and <laughs> that balls wasn't on me. That you're was just Noah. trying to make it. You're just trying to make everything easier for. <laughs> I mean, your human centipede. Here. I don't know if having testicles in my chin would be easier. Like, I, I mean, I struggle enough. I love to that you're trying up- to blame it. No, you, you, I'm stopping you there because you want to say Noah is a racist. That's accurate. It was Noah who's, a, but. I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't Noah who said on our Double Seven episode. I just want something in my bum. I'm pretty sure that was Ben. Can I, I think that was that a, a sample? That that was a Ben fact. No, no, you're right. Like I, I own that line. I did say that, and that is a Ben fact. Um, but the point I'm trying to make, I don't think I brought up human centipede. I think that was Noah. I, the, I'm pro balls on chin in movies. <laughs> But I don't think in real life testicles on my chin would benefit me, Colin. I struggle to pick up women without balls on my chin. I struggle to pick up women to look at my balls between my legs. And I don't know how that would work if I've got a giant pair dangling from my chin going, hi, look at me and my balls hanging off my chin. Like, I don't think it would help me. Uh, well, let's mention this now, the, the trivia about Serlina. So uh, we already mentioned Fomka Jansen was cast in this movie and dropped out. Uh, but uh, before Laura Flynn Boyle was cast, so this has to be somebody who was playing a prank was because I found the only place I could find this was on IMDb and on Wikipedia. Both, you know, Wikipedia, reliable. very reliable. Yeah. Uh, but the trivia I found that I had to share with you was the trivia was Halle Berry, Jennifer Lopez, and Yeardley Smith auditioned <laughs> for the role of Selena. So people don't know Yeardley Smith. Um, the voice of Lisa Simpson on the Simpsons, but Google Yeardley Smith and you'll understand why this might've been a practical joke. Somebody was playing on Wikipedia. Nancy Cartwright would have been better look for this, this role. Um, Julie Kavner, (laughs) maybe. Uh, um, Yeah. Not too sure about that one. Hank Azaria. Um, Harry Shearer, any of them. (laughs) Yeah. Um, The late, great um, Troy McClure. What's his name? Phil Hartman. Um, Yeardley Smith could have been the Balchinian maybe. I like. I, I don't know if I've ever seen. Was Yeardley Smith one of the actors in Godzilla? I don't think. She, I think she was the only one. No, I think that was Nancy Cartwright. Well, what, there was four. Wasn't she? I think uh, even Yeardley, you, oh, uh, uh, Julie Kavner's in it as well. Like there's Yeardley Nancy. Smith was um as good as it gets. She played Greg Kinnear's never assistant that never read off a script to quit. I told you that um Nancy Cartwright is in Twenty Four, right? Um, yeah. So just wait for the Bart Simpson episode of 24. <laughs> um, but actually, that's we've got to keep remember we've got to cover the the 24 Simpsons parody and the 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 South Park one as well at some stage. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with Yearly Smith. Yeah, terrible casting <laughs> choice. Come on, I would have been a better Selena than Yearly Smith. Um. Wow. Well, I don't know about that. But, I look uh, good I in mean, black lingerie. I think Rocky and Noah might have been able to pull it off. Oh, <laughs> it's a video. <laughs> Wow. 
When are we going to have the pull it off effect? This week, uh, this week on Pornhub, um, Noah <laughs> and Rocky pull it off. Uh, <laughs> oh, hang on. Should it be? Should it be like a cool hip thing? Like they pull it off. Uh, <laughs> Men in Black too. Um, so Zed is being hung upside down by Selena. This God. is where we get. Uh, his uh, thing where, where she's basically, you're, you're still a looker and he's like, you're, you're still a steaming pile of crap or something like that in a different wrapper. Um, and, and she's basically saying, it's like, you know, uh, give me the information, give me the number for whoever has the light of Darth. So he dials a number and this is where we get the second one. Zed, Zed, are you there? I could be Agent M. <laughs> and here's where we get the worst part of the movie. So the Tommy Lee Jones kick earlier was bad. This one is a hundred times worse. Rip Torn does a triple flip, I think, jumps up, levitates in the air for about a minute and a half. Ah, Karate kicks over and over again. Like it doesn't, again, if you do this in Naked Gunner Awesome Powers, fine, but like you're not going to do this in Men in Black and it just looks stupid. And it's so Uh, obvious, the stunt double is so obvious as well when he's on the time looking at it right now. Like, Ripton's got like gray hair. This guy's like a 22 year old. And then like when he falls <laughs> on the ground, it's not even closely resembling Ripton. Yeah. Nothing about this works. Um, but uh, yeah, when they're in the car and Will's thinking they're going back to men in black headquarters. So he's like, turn right on 39th right here. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Take the next ride on 37th right here. <laughs> right. Uh, and we get um, the, the other part here that I love where uh, he's trying to basically say, Hey, Kay, I know that you're scared. You know, this is a, this is a really crazy situation. We've never encountered anything like this. I gotta admit, I'm kind of scared too. I'm not scared. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, the awkwardness is so good between them still, but instead of going to men black headquarters, he's basically saying, you know, a section, or whatever means an immediate lockdown. He goes, which is why we're not going back to men in black headquarters. Uh, we're going to the scene of the crime, which was the peace place. And then we'll get it. Like, that's going to be a left up here. Left here. <laughs> they replay the joke. Uh, we uh, get into the pizza place and Rosario Dawson hits Will Smith in the face with a pie plate. Uh, and uh, this is where the first part that you seem to be more bothered by than I do comes out about he didn't neuralize her. And uh, uh, Shiva says, thank you for sending those agent orders, uh, agent agent orders over last night. I ordered six agents with fries. Uh, <laughs> She's into gangbang. Definitely Burger King. Yeah. The Burger King had this as a menu. This is your agent order. Uh, but uh, they discover the the picture. Tommy Lee Jones is like, that's an interesting picture. And you realize it's the other half of the one half picture that he had. Uh, and Will Smith over uh, analyzing. Okay. Okay. Hold on. I, I get this. He's pointing. He's pointing to it. And Tommy Jones keeps trying to get, uh, Jay, uh, Jay. He's, like, he's pointing over here. All right. This pizza box. Nobody would stack pizza boxes like this. That's definitely an arrow. That always reminds me. I don't know if uh, you know it or not. Uh, in Ghostbusters, um, I haven't seen a long time. Oh, like the first Ghostbusters movie, they they walk into a library, and that's like the first place where they're like, "We're going to see a ghost and then get our readings." And Dan Aykroyd's flipping. I was like, "This is incredible." There's all these books who have been stacked by a ghost in a library. This is incredible. It's just like the whatever uh, haunting of 1909. And Bill Murray's just like. You're right. No human being could stack books like this. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, that's what this one always kind of reminds me of. Uh, the um, uh, thing that eventually leads to the uh, anchovy reveal. It's like anchovy fillets and virgin olive oil. I like that. That's funny. <laughs> and then, of course, there's no reaction. He's just holding the key. 
I, I, I knew that, yeah. <laughs> Why is that key? Uh, like, that key's been there for 25 years, just sitting there and no one's asked a question about it? Like, there's a lot of things that that don't make sense in this movie as far as the timelines go. Like I said, Rosario Dawson is Employee of the Month now. Um, John Knoxville's been on Earth for how long? Like, I, I, I'm going to side a little bit more with you, even though I still maintain part of the problem is the fact they put too much story in this movie. There are things that needed explanation that, that don't have explanations. Why is the picture in his jacket pocket? Has it been in his jacket pocket that line? Why is it not more faded? Why is this key hanging there? Has it been hanging there that long? Why Did those impl- lockers even exist? Why when he's saving money on employee of the month, or they charge by the letter, why doesn't he just put employee of month? And then that way he, yeah, saves, exactly. he saves more. <laughs> yeah. He saves on three letters rather than just one because employee <laughs> of month doesn't make sense, but employee of month kind of makes sense in a way. Very solid point. Listen to this. You're ruining the movie for everybody, Ben. You're welcome. Uh, it wasn't the trailer. It was Ben. Ben was the problem. I've always a problem. Uh, so, yeah, they've got the uh, the key. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones even has a line here. He's like, I hope I'm not slowing you down. Uh, and uh, he tries to neuralize Rosario Dawson. He's like, no, no, don't neuralize her. She might be important to me. I mean, to, to us, help, to help us later. You know, <laughs> uh, th- this is the other part of the love story that I actually like, because it's not like the first movie where you really don't get where they were going with it. With this, is like, yeah, it's awkward. And I'm, I'm going to agree with you later on. They do things where it's like, this came out of nowhere. But I like just the whole flirty thing where he's like, you know what? She's kind of hot. I don't want to neuralize her. I might have a shot, you know? Uh, that I kind of like, this awkwardness of, no, no, she, she's important to us. I'm into us. Um, so they're going to go to where the locker is. Uh, but first they have to drop Rosario Dawson off and they drop her off with the worm guys. Now, there's a couple of moments with worm guys that work in this movie, but you really didn't have to bring them back. This is just, they were popular the first movie. Let's bring them in again, but let's overuse them. Uh, the uh, the line here when when he's basically saying, okay, you know, uh, these guys will watch after you. And then they said, once you uh, go worm, you'll never yearn or something like that. It's a sex joke, Colin. I know it's a sex joke. I was just going to say, I think the only part of that that really makes it funny is Will Smith saying, yeah, I heard that. Like, he gets really excited. It's a bit, uh, but then, doesn't hold up with the whole don't fall asleep. Like, rape well, jokes? It's, Hilarious. But I mean, they're, 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 they're little alien worms. It's, it's a rape it's joke, Colin. It's not a, pro- don't defend a rape. a rape joke. I get it's a rape joke, but like, I, I do like the one where it's like, just stay away from Nebel. Which one of y'all is Nebel? Your mama. And it's like, that one right there. <laughs> Uh, they go to the the locker, which is uh, I don't know if this is supposed to be an airport or bus station, but it's a grand Central. I, train station. Okay, there we go. That's why Ben's on the episode to give us uh, all the the geography here. But I never got this reference, even though we reviewed this movie for anniversary month a couple of years ago, and I said this is one of the movies I probably watched most of my life. Get Shorty, Barry Sonnenfeld's Get Shorty, the locker and Get Shorty, where the entire plot is revolving around the key to a locker where money or drugs is going to be kept and everybody's watching this. It was locker C18 and this is locker C18. And I never picked up on that. I've seen um, get shorty but- once. I barely even remember we covered that <laughs> film. So um, I didn't even think about that. I thought it was a back to the future reference to the clock tower, but you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, another thing that I just, I don't think that the comedy really works in this when they open the locker and you get all these tiny little aliens in here where, it's basically this mini civilization, and they're all, all hail K, all hail K. Okay, uh, can, you, can see? you see? Yeah. Like, maybe in a smaller doses, they would have worked. This is, like, not even to worm or pug, Frank the Pug level, 
where you shouldn't reuse them. This is like, I don't even know in this movie if they should have used these mini locker creatures as much as they do. Uh, they have the be kind rewind thing, you know? Um, so now they've got another clue. This whole section just becomes one clue to the next, but let's also kind of remind people if they don't already know this, this entire movie from the point where they pick up K until the end takes place for the course of maybe five hours, mm. but the majority of it from after K gets his memory back, which is let's say the second half of the movie is about an hour and a half. Like this is almost a real time movie at this point. Uh, so the amount of clues coming at you is another reason why I think it feels rushed because it's not even like you can have time lapse of, Oh, it's six hours later. Gee, we're never going to figure this out. It, it's a very, it's very Batman forever. You know, uh, uh, what's another word for enigma? Enigma, you know, like you came to the conclusion way too quickly. And the other plot hole, why is that clock on the watch counting down? Like, it's very convenient that this just happens to be the day that he well, gets like, is this a thing? No, that, I'm- uh, yeah, because they, they said they knew that the light of Zarthos needed to be off earth by a certain period of time. And Serlina even knows the time because yeah, the pizza guy earlier and Serlina have all said it, it, it's here on earth. If it needs to leave by midnight, otherwise the planet's destroyed. So I'm assuming Tommy Lee Jones knows this, even though Zed thought that they left this thing, Tommy Lee Jones, like, I'm not going to get rid of it because the light is a girl, but he's going to keep clues somewhere and hang the watch there with a countdown just in case. But that takes away why he would erase his memory of it. Like he should not have ever erased his memory if the entire earth comes down to if you don't move this girl off the planet by this exact moment, you're all dead. But but this is um I'm gonna call this a 24 syndrome where <laughs> all you have to do is tell a couple of people something and you don't have to have added drama. All Kay had to do back in 1978 is say Hey guys, Rosario Dawson as a baby is the light. As long as we get her on a spaceship before June the 5th, 2002, Earth is safe. Like, what if, hypothetically, Kay got his brain erased, went to work as a post office person in rural Massachusetts, his wife had a loving relationship, but then she turned out to be a psycho and in the middle of the night stabbed and murdered him to death. Right, so they're relying on the fact that Tommy Lee Jones is going to go live a happily ever after and not die. This is America; people get murdered all the fucking time. Like <laughs> it's New York. He cross a street in rural Massachusetts, die, have a heart attack. He's kind of old, right? So, like again, plot's got a plot, movie's got a movie, but like seriously, Tommy, 1978 contingency plan. Hey, like he, he's a freaking government agent. Stopping, like, what if the you know, the galaxy hadn't have gotten saved and Earth got partially... Well, Tommy Lee Jones got eaten by a freaking... Um, what's his face? Hang on, just give me a second. <laughs> give me a second. By Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> and didn't come back. <laughs> then then Earth would get destroyed five years later anyway. The point is, I'm calling it the 24 syndrome because seriously, the latest seasons of 24, the old oh, Jack Power's got to work against CTU. No, he doesn't. Literally tell someone in CTU and you still got the same outcome. Point is, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones, selfish. Tell people. Well, and it worked. Like, it's dumb that he doesn't tell like, anyone and puts the earth in like 10 minutes away from getting blown up again. Pizza guy knows. He's the, uh, from what we understand, he's the only person with memory of it on the planet that knows this, which is why Selena goes to him. But Tommy Lee Jones, the clues he left for himself 
The only reason he knows where that picture lines up is because somebody went to that pizza place. He didn't, he didn't leave a clue for himself to ever get to that pizza place. Now, if what he had in his pocket was a half picture of himself and on the back, it's like, you know, the, the, the address or name for the pizza place and an order for this is what you want to order. Then it makes sense. But this movie is ruined if they didn't already have a clue because he doesn't know where the picture it's, it's matches you know, up to. You know what this movie is? It's Skyfall, right? Like on paper, it's it's fun to watch the clues unravel. But if you like pick the plot of Skyfall, it kind of like, yeah, like, like how did you do that? Completely impossible. Like it's just stupid. Yeah. That train was going to crash at that exact moment. Okay, buddy. <laughs> like, Again, movie's got a movie, plot's got a plot. It's a movie about uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith fighting space aliens. So, you know, this is so unrealistic. It's disgusting how bad they got this wrong. Um, but like, it's just... I can't believe they were allowed to make a third one. It's just, like, it's when you do kind of a smart, like, piece-by-piece piece puzzle movie like this, that just the, the parallels and just things like that that could just fall out of place so quickly. It's just like, they yeah. got fucking lucky, man. Like, come on. Um, so the locker is going to lead them to the video store next. And this is where we get David Cross. Now you mentioned like David Cross is playing a different character. I, I almost wish this has just been the same character. Like, yeah, this is just a guy who, yeah, like there's no, it doesn't, you have the same actor. You haven't changed his appearance at all. He's playing it the exact same way. Just have it be when he's like, haven't I seen you guys before? Make it where it's like, okay, well he, he kind of remembers and, but yeah, then we get. Ah. Well, <laughs> I'm choking, I'm choking too here. on Columbia, Col- Columba Jack, however you say her name is. Julie the Cat Gaffney. Julie the Cat from Mighty Ducks here. Oh. The only what other role anybody's ever her? seen her in. This is where we need the. I don't, have the, I don't have that sound effect. I don't know. Um, God damn it. I've got nothing that I can play for this. So um, I'm going to play. Cat effects. I've got this. <laughs> <laughs> Ben, you really do like it weird, don't you? <laughs> you want balls on your face. You want women farting on you. I really don't. Please, if there are single women who like me, no, I don't want you to fart in my face. But, um, he's like the opposite of what I want. But um, what is the opposite of farting in the face? What? Not farting in your face. I'm going to put that on my Tinder profile. What I'm after. Someone not to fart in my face. <laughs> I'm looking for a nice girl, 25 to 35, who will not fart in my face. It's a winner. <laughs> you find that girl, you keep her, okay? <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't have a sound effect for Julie the Cat Gaffney, so Julie the Cat Gaffney! <laughs> uh, I mean, that's like a sports thing almost. That's close enough. I like the fart. Let's stick with the fart. I like now, the fart so. <laughs> Take this away from me. Take this away. I, just, I want the fart in the face and then now nothing's going to taste right. <laughs> nothing's going to taste right. Ah! Fart in my face. I don't even think this is funny. I'll turn it off. Sorry. Colin is like crying and coughing. And oh, oh. This is a Julie the Cat Gaffney oh. reaction. 
Um, did you recognize her when you watched this movie in 2002? Not in 2002. I think when I rewatched this a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, who's she? And then, like, I looked her up. Yeah. I'm like, she looks familiar. And I'm like, oh, she's good looking. Um, and then I'm like, oh, it's surely the cat Gaffney. Um, yeah, basically same for me. Yeah, I, I, I definitely didn't recognize her when the movie first came out. But it's like, oh, she kind of looks familiar. And then you look it up. Um, one, one plot hole here. Hotter in Men in Black too. I mean, I don't think I legally oh, can say she's yes. attractive Listen. in the Mighty Ducks movies. <laughs> As a kid, she was attractive because she's older than me. Um, now yeah. when I watch it, can't say it. But in this movie, yeah. We got to review her cooking show. Let's do it. We just review her? <laughs> <laughs> this week on the Oz Network, Colum, Colum like, Jack Jacobson, bye. <laughs> Definite bye. Uh, one thing I don't understand though is why she didn't have more. Is it just choice? I mean, I know she got into cooking, you know, she was even on the food network and stuff like that, but the, the filmography she has is so, there's this giant gap. There's the rookie of the year, which I actually just rewatched that movie. Didn't even realize she was in that mighty ducks two and three. And then there's like a six year gap. She did nothing. And then she had men in black. She had moonlight mile with Jake Gyllenhaal. She did a couple of the movies Descent, I don't know what that is. Living Wake, Chef. Oh, there we go, Chef. The She had to cook in it. But she basically stopped acting, got back in acting for about a year or two, then stopped acting. But, like, she's really good. Like, in this movie, she's probably one of the funniest things in this movie. I would say her and David Cross together, I, I want to watch that spinoff. Yeah, this, um, this is, and, like, the best part of the movie, I think, is this, this whole yeah. sequence. Yeah, and uh, it, the other thing that's, that's uh, kind of weird with her, though, is, like, I, I hope her food tastes really good, but I, I remember at the time this movie came out, like, you know, nobody was really talking about her or anything like that, but it's a big movie and you get Moonlight Mile the year right after this and Moonlight Mile, that's basically Oscar bait movie. You got Jake Gyllenhaal, Dustin Hoffman, Susan Sarandon, like she jumped back into acting, got a lot of big breaks right away. Men in Black, Moonlight Mile. And they just dropped that. She just must just hate acting. I don't know. Maybe she's just um, one of these actors who just comes and goes. Like, maybe she doesn't want to do it. Maybe she's just like, ah, acting's not for me. And then agent rings her up. You want a million bucks? Well, she probably doesn't get paid a million dollars to be a video <laughs> clock person in Men in Black too. Like, you want 100,000 bucks for a day's work? Okay. Sure. Yeah. Well, if we see her in Game Changers, we know that uh, she's definitely working cheaper than a million bucks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, the video store stuff here is great. I don't understand, though when he hands over the video card and says, can you look this up? And she goes, this is from before I was born. Now, um, the movie he reserved is a movie from, if we're dating it by Peter Graves here, we're talking about early 90s, like 10 years ago, okay? Um, video stores, I'm sure there might've been a few obscure video stores in like the early 80s, but I don't think video stores really became a thing to like the mid to late 80s. Mm. Is she supposed to be like nine years old in this movie? Because like before she was born, David Cross, you're going to jail. Like this is Ben level of pedophilia here. So, um, so we're not allowed to say that she's attractive. Is that what you're saying? We're not. Basically. She's a child in this movie. Uh, but uh, I love David Cross here. One of the lines that that I always forget is in the movie is where he comes out of the bathroom and he goes, hey, so the toilet's clogged with a rat. So you're going to pee. You got to pee in the sink. It's just like this passing reference. Uh, and, um, uh, well, I guess quickly go back to men in black and Jara here. Uh, they mentioned about, uh, him selling ozone on the black market. Again, they give him this big backstory and we only see him briefly after this. Uh, we come back and David Cross has basically got the video that was reserved. The only one that was ever reserved. 
And it's the same, it's the opening clip from the movie. It's the Peter Graves Mysteries in History uh, show or whatever. And um, it, you have uh, uh, Julie the Cat here. Oh, Julie the Cat here. What am I playing? Julie the Cat here, yeah, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> Does that work? It's not a fart, it's not a... Oh, is this better? Julie the fucking cat daffy, yeah, motherfucker, yeah! I don't know. Simple oh, round, hang on, just... how about a simple... Studio audience. There we go. There we go. Uh, so Julie the cat. Good job, audience. Thank you. Thank you both of you. Uh, she just randomly says, "I want to have your baby." <laughs> um, I, that's the one part I was going to say. Sorry to jump in again. Like I don't like because she kind of seems a bit dismissive of him at first, and then all of a sudden I know she's just like, "I want to have your babies," and it's like, "Huh?" I, I think it's just she's a weird character. Like they're both Ooh. supposed to be weird. I, I need to go uh, back but, to New uh, York. I didn't go to these type of stores. <laughs> Uh, but then we get uh, the the mom yelling. We basically get uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the, the the guy from Big Bang Theory's Howard. mom, Howard's mom, Howard! yelling up the stairs. I love this. David. <laughs> you do want... you want your friends want some mini pizza bagels? <laughs> I just uh, love the bit where they sort of are like he's explaining what they are, and they just kind of look yeah. at him, and then he just sort of goes, "No, we're good." <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I like before that where he goes. It's kind of like a bagel, and then you put this, in, and she puts some cheese on there. But she's got palsy, so she puts a lot of cheese on. <laughs> There's a line where she having palsy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, David Cross. As I mentioned last week, the the guy who used to be a stand up comedian I work with said, "Literally the funniest human being he ever met in his life." Um, so they play the video here, and David Cross just reciting it like word for word does not exist and everything. And uh, <laughs> the the line from um, uh, Will Smith here, hmm, looks like uh, Spielberg's <laughs> really working. <laughs> I, I do like uh, the drama, again, it's not used nearly enough. And the move, the first one, we did not have a ton of the drama. It's just when they use it, it was used right. And it was used just enough that it didn't feel like just a cheap comedy. But this drama here where they're watching the cheesy reenactment and you have Tommy Lee Jones, who generally looks emotional here and goes, no, no, it wasn't like that. It happened at night and it was raining. And you start intercutting the, um, and I pronounce it very proper, intercutting. Intercutting. Uh, we're intercutting. Intercutting. We've literally just become 12 year olds who got a new voice box toy. Mama, <laughs> just... What are you talking about? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> attention choppers, attention choppers. These jokes will end very soon. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Turn into full on like 80s FM morning disc junkies. <laughs> What are you talking about the 80s? This is not the 80s. Wow. Um, you. <laughs> <laughs> this won't take long. This won't take long. Um, so, yeah, the intercutting of the intercutting of the memories uh, is actually very good. Uh, do, do you at least like that? Like, Tommy Lee Jones' performance is fantastic in this the, scene. Yeah, the... I'm going to stutter. Um... No disrespect to people who do have a stutter. It's a, it's it's a condition. Yeah, palsy. Um, the 
the drama that I like, I like this bit, and the one that I don't think either of us mentioned when he's coming out of the post office and when Tommy Lee Jones punches Will Smith. Like, that's a bit of a dramatic scene. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, like, you kind of get it thrown at you pretty quickly. Uh, but, again, I just this movie goes by so quickly and it just feels so rushed that you just don't have time to digest it because the next minute you've basically got David Cross here with a shovel about to kill his mother. Um, so, mm. <laughs> um, I mean, one of my favourite lines is coming up in this movie in a second. But, yeah, I, it, it's good. It is good. It just it, you don't have time to digest it. So once Tommy Lee Jones recovers his memories, yeah, then we get he's gonna flashy thing David Cross and Julie the cat. Ah, uh, fuck. Meow. Yeah. <laughs> that worked. And uh, uh, he basically gives them. It's like, all right, first thing you do is like get rid of the glasses, get some contact lenses, and uh, um, what was the other thing he talks about? Because she had mentioned Cambodia earlier on about getting a lobster dinner. It's like, you're going to pay more than a dollar and then you're going to move out of your mother's attic or whatever. Uh, and, oh yeah, by the way, there's no such thing as aliens or men in black. And then he leaves and he just turns to her and like, you want to go to Cambodia? Yes. That's and then he just picks up, the sh- <laughs> picks up the shovel. Oh, mom. <laughs> I, just, I just love that moment. It's just like, there's just like silence. He goes, you want to go to Cambodia? And she's like, okay. And they just like, <laughs> I fucking love that. So funny. This is the best part of the movie. I'm saying it right now. How did they not get David Cross or Tony Shalhoub in part three? Well, they, I mean, like I thought maybe that could have just been like a, the guy from the Spider-Man, Sam Raimi, what, you know, how he's in each, all three of them. Um, yeah. I, I think this would have been funny if they had gotten him. Cause like then like if he's in the third one, you're like, okay, that's just, that's the joke. And- um, yeah, but I I don't know. Like it was this is you talk about that five year gap between one and two. There was what like a ten year gap between two and three. Mm-hmm. So by then, I mean they didn't even get Tommy. But, I don't think Tommy Lee. I, we'll talk about that next week. But he's barely there. Did Tommy Lee Jones even want to do it? He's basically in for five <laughs> minutes. Oh, we'll get Josh Brolin. Okay, sure. Uh, but there's one. I don't know if you remember or not. But there's one character in Men in Black Three. Where first time I saw it, every time I see it, I'm like, why was this not either Tony Shalhoub or David Cross? Like, it's the same oh, type of character. The guy with the, either of them would fill the role. Tim in the back of the head. Is that that guy or? Yeah, he, yeah, he's the guy who gives him the time traveling device or sells it to him. Uh, yeah, maybe. I, the, by the way, the guard, I don't think I mentioned it, is the same guy from the first one. And he's apparently in the third one. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, the third one I, I've seen like once. So I can barely even remember it thinking about it right now. Mm-hmm. But I remember liking it. Um, let me see. Do we want to cover anything else here? Uh, yes, we do. Okay. I decided, Ben, we will. I was going to say, just uh, go to the end and we the, can just, you know. Well, I'll, I'll, let, let's, let's talk quickly. We cut back to the worm guys. They're playing Twister. Rosario Dawson's having the time of her life. Uh, I do like the, one of the few worm guy moments that actually makes me laugh in this movie still is her. It's like, Hey, quit touching my butt. Sorry. I thought it was your face. <laughs> like, just the way it delivers. It's that like is pretty Beavis funny. and butthead when you do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, quit touching my butt, butthead. <laughs> you, really, you do a really good Did I ever tell you? Did I ever tell you that was my butt. introduction into radio? No. So um, it started with my, uh, I think it was my brother and I, but then it, my brother stopped doing it. And a friend and I, we, we started calling up. It was like a small, very, very small, like French radio station. And they would play English music for like an hour a week. And it was all in English. And we started calling this up as Beavis and Butthead and they put us on the air. And so every couple of weeks, we'd just be like, ah, do you want to call and just do another Beavis and Butthead thing? Every time we call, we got on the air. And then we started calling other radio like bigger radio stations. You know, some of the the, 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 the popular en- ones. The English ones. Not the English stations, shitty yeah. Shitty French ones. French. <laughs> but, uh, we, would, <laughs> we would basically 
we would call as Beavis and Butthead. We get a, almost any time we called any radio station as Beavis and Butthead, we'd get put on the air. And I, I, I hope I can find it one of these days. I had a cassette tape I kept recorded of all the times I called into radio stations and got on the air as Beavis. We actually did times we would just call, even not as Beavis and Butthead. We're just gonna be like, let's just call and just do this. And like, lo and behold, every time we find a way to get on the air. So um, yeah, that's my history in radio. I mean, I, I probably got paid as much as you did in radio, right? <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> there we go. Probably heard as much in radio as I have, you know? I was uh, a professional so podcast host in Canada. Thank you very much. I got paid for my podcasting in Canada. Both our uh, listeners so- in Van- on Vancouver Island <laughs> love the daily news that I brought. Hey, did you ever find out that you had just as many listeners in Manitoba as you did in Vancouver? Because I would listen to it. <laughs> I Yeah, I would track the stats sometimes. Uh, we, we ranked in the top 20 news podcasts in Canada at one point. So I can say I was top 20, a, wow. in, in Canada. So, you know, we were popular for five minutes and then the girl that they replaced me with... I think I listened to it once and I'm like, you're shit. Um, and they don't even do it anymore. So, um, yeah, I was she the, killed the podcast. Host. She did. Bloody just, you know, Max Dawson of Canadian podcasting. Uh, okay, so the, the, this is where it gets revealed to the audience. And this is something I do like with the plot that they they like the first movie. They only reveal later on. You think it's a bracelet at this point. So they're saying like, do you have a bracelet? Yeah. It's never glowed before. And I look, Oh, it must be the bracelet. Cause the bracelet even has that same shape. as like the pizza box, like the little arrow things. And um, then uh, uh, you get uh, Sir Lena on the phone as Will's calling it uh, into men in black headquarters. Okay. We got the light or whatever. We're, we're going to head in and she's just posing as Frank, but she's not Frank. Uh, they get to go pick up Rosario Dawson. The worm guys have all been cut in half. Uh, we're now down to only 39 minutes. Uh, I think they say it was like is like 42 minutes or something like this right here after they find the worm guys and Rosario Dawson is gone and um, they have to go into the Men in Black facility now and uh, I will keep calling it facility headquarters. What it is a Men in Black facility um, CTU? Yes, they got to go into CTU and they're gonna need weapons, so they go into random apartment and and here's some cameras I actually didn't mention, but earlier on. The little girl at the post office that Tommy Lee Jones is kind of fighting with Rugrats is Barry Sonnen. Yeah, the Rugrat Stamps girl. That's Barry Sonnenfeld's daughter. Uh, or is it? Yeah, that's Barry Sonnenfeld's daughter. So now in what? this scene, it, the, the little girl was Barry Sonnenfeld's wife. So that's why Julie the Cat, hang on, sorry, Julie the Cat oh, Gaffney yeah, was so young because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that joke. All right. <laughs> yes, there we go. <laughs> Uh, the, I need a happy uh, ending. <laughs> no fart effect. <laughs> I need, I, 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 hang on, I need a happy. Why do I have five different farts? <laughs> I, I I could get this type of happy ending, this type of happy ending, this type of happy ending, this type of happy ending. What's a wet one? This type of happy ending, and this type of happy ending. Why are they so funny? <laughs> Just please, for the love of God, which very happy ending you pick, pick the one where you're not going to be changing your underwear afterwards. That's so wet. <laughs> like, listen to the end of it. There's, there's different leakage there. What is wrong with people? What is wrong with us? We're three hours in. No one's listening this far in. They've gone. Just to oh, prove um, it one more time. Oh, that's wrong. 
All right, so Barry Sonnenfeld himself is guy in the apartment here. If you've got to spare eight hundred dollars, podcasters, buy this soundboard. <laughs> worth, right, worth every penny, <laughs> and that's a Ben fact. Oh God damn it! Hang on, and that is a Ben fact. <laughs> All right, so Barry Sonnenfeld is the guy in the apartment. I don't know who the wife is in the apartment, but the little girl in this apartment. Is Tommy Lee Jones' daughter. So they basically exchanged the, the kids. Tommy Lee gonna... Jones, he looks good in makeup. Well done. <laughs> you ever seen him young? <laughs> Nobody has. Uh, <laughs> now, there's going to be another kid cameo coming up here, um, but uh, more on that in a few minutes. So, yes, these are cameos being thrown in here. And uh, this is the second Martha Stewart cameo because we have the family, which we have now identified is 39. It's in this scene where Will Smith basically neuralizes them and says, you did not just see a bunch of alien guys. Uh, and he says, uh, go on, live a happy life, uh, get to loving and cherishing in the next 39 minutes because that's all you have. So this is 11.21 p.m. And they've got a little girl up watching Martha Stewart with them. Like, I don't understand. Is this a New York thing? It, well, I was going to say, it's New York. City never sleeps, Colin. Um, oh, I mean, there you go. Yeah. All, all the apartments that I hung out with little girls, they were always up at 11.21 watching <laughs> Martha Stewart with me. I loved it. They're all like, I do love, uh, they're, they're just going to be like, Ben, let's watch Martha Stewart. That's basically, and you're like, like fart in my face. I thought you meant to swear for the first time over there. I thought you meant to <laughs> Wow, there's silence there. What was that? That was my fart effect. Did it not come through? It did not come through. Your microphone okay. didn't pick that up. <laughs> do you want? Do you want me to play? Yes. This? Well, that's not like the bad fact. I got that's the wrong one. <laughs> oh, the wet, the wet one. It's so wet. <laughs> I need to change my underwear just listening to this. Um, we apologize for everybody. <laughs> Everybody who had to pay to listen is going to realize this is the free version and they still want their money back. <laughs> I'm telling you now, if you want this crap to stop, then pay us. Because on our paid content, you don't get this one. You get this one. Much, it's much more airy. <laughs> that one definitely sounds like it smells. Straight through. That's just like straight in the stomach, out the intestine. That's a clean shot. <laughs> That's like a, that's a swishing basketball. It's in and it's out. That's a solid buy on the Oz Network scale. Uh, uh, <laughs> Funny. They're fat. This is the lowest common denominator of humor. Uh, but, but it's so you know, funny. It's so- <laughs> There, do you remember the two real farts that happened on the Oz Network? They both neither involved us. I mean, we're there, but <laughs> I remember having somebody pee on the Oz Network. Oh, the fiber on. No, so when we when we were recording Greece in person, oh, all of us in a room together. Yeah, okay. At some point, somebody who will remain nameless um, was laughing so hard they farted, and you called them out on the episode. I'll just say, Mallory, did you just fart? You called off for it. The second time was 
when I think John Wick chapter two or chapter one, one of them where Jamie and I were recording and she was literally, I think John Wick chapter two, we were t- less than 24 hours before the twins were going to be delivered. And she was so big. She actually fell over and couldn't get up one point in the episode. But another point she started laughing. <laughs> so you stopped to says, help your wife out there, Cole. <laughs> but she started farting. She decided to announce it herself on the air. It's like, oh, I'm so pregnant. I can't stop farting. <laughs> I remember doing uh, back in the breakfast radio days, uh, my co-host farted, but it was it was on a level where, like, I'll be honest, I farted like five times in recording this, but I mute my microphone each time because they were loud once. So that was basically a... <laughs> but um, <laughs> we were on the topic, but we were live on air and it was just the level of the fact that he's talking and when he farted, there was a pause enough so you could audibly hear this fart live on radio. Like, it was just like... Blah, blah, blah. Like, whoa, Sam. And we're just like, you're live. You just try to have to like pass over it. Go like, we both started laughing. And we're just like, I didn't hear anything. What are you talking about? (laughs) Please tell me that's on one of your best ofs. It is. I do. I I will find it. I I, I will find it. Because I have your best ofs. Oh, God. I'm sorry about that. um, (laughs) Smelly in here. Open a window. All right. So do we want to just go straight to the end here? Let's go with it. Come on. Speed through it. Do it in three minutes. I will mute my microphone for three minutes. Go. Will Smith is talking about, you know, since you've been gone, we survived a Creelon invasion. And all of his line is like, Creelons are the Backstreet Boys of the universe. Um, Will Smith tries to blow his way into Men in Black facilities. Whoa. And uh, (laughs) sorry, after I'm he's blowing his way in. You need to learn what that means, my friend. Sorry. Uh, but uh, the whole thing's pressurized, so they just get tossed inside, and he gets lectured, and then the doorman barely notices he's covering hot dogs. This is where I said the doorman's just used too much because he starts rambling on about something about the other lady's causing a lot of trouble or some, whatever. Um, we get a new henchman that hasn't been introduced up until this point, which is a giant killer robot. It's a Terminator that, as they're coming down the elevator, just blow, blows holes in the entire... Blows! This is the blowing bed. Go blows holes in the the, elevator. I've got the the fart sound effect still up there, so you know. Uh, And uh, they, of course, are hiding up on the top. Which again, they're they're very physically nimble in this movie that they can get up there. And then, sorry, I keep saying if Noah's on this, you want to know Beavis and Butthead? Ben and Noah on Double O Seven episodes. The later they go, we hit the three hour mark. They turn into Beavis and Butthead. It's basically blow (laughs) boobies, boobies. Um, so when they're hiding up top and the, the whole thing's been shot through, uh, you get the worm guys. They get too scared, can't move. Um, again, it's funny, but they reuse the joke immediately afterwards. Like worm guys, I need you to go and shut down the power. Can't too petrified to move. Like okay, we heard this joke already. Uh, Serlina catches K. Uh, Jay has a fight with Jara. This is where they reveal there's the tiny jars everywhere. Uh, he does have a great line here though, where he says with Jara, says, uh, you're under arrest for being that ugly and making that many copies. Um, there's the countdown to the launch. And this is after the quick fight with Jara where uh, this still makes me laugh though, where it's like uh, 15 seconds to extermination or to uh, 10, nine. And Will's like fumbling, trying to get up. Yeah. And then when he eventually does get up, he actually stops like straight in his suit. Very James Bond skyfall there. Uh, and Jay uh, eventually will shoot Serlina. So you think she's done. And uh, then the the worm guys shut the power off and uh, 
this is where it's revealed that Laura is the light. Like Rosario Dawson is the light. It's not the bracelet. And I wonder when did he figure that out? Did he just come to that conclusion or did he regain his memory? Cause I don't think they ever explained that. Uh, he never mentioned even taking her up to, in fact, if anything, he kept trying to lecture him saying you should have neuralized her. She shouldn't be with us. So he must've just realized. And um, yeah, cause she basically says, uh, Oh, I can't believe this bracelet here has been, you know, an alien light the entire time. And Will has a line you'll be amazed how often it's something small like that. But this is when he says, no, it's not. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones accidentally presses the red button. They go into hyperspeed because he doesn't know the new controls. There's the PlayStation control and Will has the weird lines. Like, didn't your mom ever give you a Game Boy? Which A, doesn't make sense because like Will Smith might be too old to have played <laughs> a Game Boy. Tommy Lee Jones certainly is. But also it's a PlayStation controller and you're making a Game Boy joke. Like they literally have the PlayStation controller, which means did they not have PlayStation's rights? Could they not have ever said, didn't your mom ever get you a PlayStation or something like that? Like yeah, the PlayStation logo is on it. Like I was seeing, cause you kind of see something a bit crossed out, but if you look carefully, there is a PlayStation logo on there. So. Yeah. And I get like Game Boy's older, but if I'm PlayStation and I, I licensed my PlayStation to be used in a movie yeah. for product placement, I'm going to be upset if they all of a sudden call it a Game Boy. Good point. Uh, and uh, yeah, we get the, the autopilot guy that that's kind of a funny gag where he engages the autopilot and then it's just the autopilot, the, the white guy just sits over top of him and it's just Tommy Lee Jones. And this is not an autopilot. <laughs> um, the uh, We get a chase into the subway. So they basically drive through the car. Now this is where there's a flashy thingy on the bottom of the car. And um, you see a bunch of kids just sort of looking up as their car is going hyper speed or whatever. Now, these are the third cameos or third and fourth, because this is Will Smith's kids who are the ones looking up at the car. And I, I want to freeze for the ones. Well, I, was I, was just, I wonder if this is Jaden and Willow. Yeah, it, it, I assume it is because I, I, I flip my hair I, back and forth. I flip my shit. Oh, I hate that song. Fucking stupid song. You know when Jaden's the good one of the group that there's a problem with those kids. <laughs> Sorry, well, we love Will. We love your kids, Will. Uh, no, I we love, love your, your wife. We love you. We definitely love your wife. Yes. Not in that way. Um, Don't slap me. Where's the? Oh. And followed by. Followed by slap. Oh, I don't know what you, I'm you, You're so enamored with the farts that you can't even get a slap cue when it's needed. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing the slap effects. Can't even hear right. it. And that's a Ben fact. I just, I just see it on my screen, so I just had to give it a go, basically. I, I said the words die another day. So tempted. So tempted. I <laughs> no, can't press it. No, never. Uh, all right, so they eventually land on, they go through the tunnel. Serlina's still alive, and they're, why are you doing the tunnels? Yo, you're there because Jeff's going to swallow her whole. So she swallowed whole. Oh. They arrive on the, the roof of a building, and this is where he reveals, no, you are the light. Um, this is the dramatic scene I really love. I actually think this might be on level with uh, the the final scene in Men in Black 1 between uh, K and J, uh, where she's talking about, you know, no, that's not possible. Uh, not and true. he's saying, it's like, think, it's, it's, impossible. Not, it's impossible. <laughs> Hurt your feelings, Rosario. You know it to be true. I hate uh, you. The, the, the line that he had, he about, uh, you know, uh, oh, when you, uh, it rains or whatever, and she says, well, a lot of people cry when it rains. And he says, it rains because you cry. The sincerity Tommy Lee Jones delivers that line with is like, he's going for an Oscar. And that's what really works here. And I love that they just cut to Jay and he's just sort of looking and just says, it's not fair. Like, just keep it simple like that. But yeah, I didn't even talk about it. But yeah, those lines earlier where he's like, why didn't you tell her you love her? Like, that's where it's like, yes, you've known each other for hours. Mm. But if you just 
cut a few of those lines out throughout the movie, keep this a weird thing where they're flirting. And then he's just kind of upset. He goes, it's not fair. I was lonely. I finally found somebody. And now she has to leave the planet. That's a, a perfect love story for a men in black movie. Um, and, and I love the the line that uh, Tommy Jones says multiple times here, like we are who we are or whatever. Um, it starts raining as she eventually gets in the ship and leaves uh, because she's crying. And uh, you get the, the the big heroic one. Now this is where it becomes worth it. Was like th- they're properly a men in black team again, where they just both grab the guns and he's like, "Thanks for bringing me back, kid." And you get that double shot off into the sky as Serlina has come back again, and she's vaporized into fireworks. Uh, they have the quick conversation about what's it like on the outside. It's nice. Sleep late on weekends. Watch the Weather Channel. <laughs> That's what I'm doing on my weekends. That's Saturday a lot of morning. The weather talk- Channel. It was weirdly entertaining. Oh yeah, yeah. The now. Which we had two weather channels, and both of them are ones where I would weirdly watch it. Two. One's well, I was saying the rival to the weather channel. That weather channel's wrong. It's going to be nineteen degrees, not no, eighteen degrees. Say, Don't listen to them. You have you have the weather channel where there's anchors on there, and they have the little news stories, and then you have the weather channel, which is just graphics displaying the weather. Oh, like the map channel. Yeah, well, the 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 weather map channel. Yeah. That one, I would also watch that one. Yeah, just for the fun I remember of it. that one. Yeah, no, I, I think I, I'm with you there. Yep. Uh, so yes, th- that's a good Saturday. But instead, I'm talking to Ben, listening to farts. Uh, so something's wrong with my weekends. Something's right with your weekend. Is that you, the end you, of the movie? You look like you, no, you look like you were trying to hit the fart effect, but you I, didn't. I was resting my hand. Um, then rest your hand. I know you're gonna be busy with it, so just rest your hand. Okay? What am I doing with my other hand? Uh... <laughs> I don't think we're quite there uh, yet, Colin. We're going to get to 2,000 episodes before we uh, start <laughs> masturbating on air. <laughs> we, we save that for Patreon, which you can sign up to right now for as little as $3 a month. Uh, Is that a Patreon effect now? It's a happy ending, right? Oh, there we go. Yes. <laughs> I need to have the jizz in my pants. Uh, but, uh, that's about sex, Colin. Now, uh, <laughs> here, here's where we have the line that uh, is definitely left for interpretation, and I like that, where... The audience hasn't necessarily all connected the dots, but Jay asked the question. It's like, so you and Laura's mother, you ever, and then he just changes the subject. They're obviously trying to imply that this is his daughter. I don't know if that's the case or not. And frankly, I'd rather not know. I think that it's kind of nice that you think, oh, he might be the father. And that's why he had this nice fatherly moment with her at the end. But I think it's better that you don't know that. It's just, that's, that's Kay's character and it makes sense. Um, Last scene here, I'll talk separately about the alternate ending. Uh, no, I'll just group that in here. So we get the Statue of Liberty is apparently a giant neuralizer, uh, neuralizes everybody in New York City. And now we get the wrong scene because there's an alternate ending, which it, I feel is for the most part better that's on the DVD. So this ending basically ends with Will being sad, sad Will Smith. <laughs> uh, this is what happened after he slapped Chris Rock. He was sad Will. Sad Will. Sad Willie. Uh, you get Zed coming in, trying to cheer him up, and he's basically, oh, I knew this hot young thing once. Our bodies were entwined in the positions of the Kama Sutra. It's about sex, but again, it's just, I get that, but it's just, it's weird. And it, then they make it worse where they're like, ew. And then Zed's like, yeah. Like, whoa, what's with the weird creepy old man laugh? Like, it doesn't work. And then you have, they're trying to play on the whole ending from the first movie where you see that the, the marble is the galaxy or whatever. Uh, and in this, instead, Tommy Lee Jones kicks the door open in the Men in Black facilities. And instead, you just see that they're inside a locker in somebody else's universe. Now, 
it's basically the same thing as the first movie, uh, but uh, the alternate ending is better because the alternate ending, the jokes aren't quite as over the top with like Zed going like, yeah, yeah, It's still Zed being like, but Zed still has like that. Oh, I knew this hot young thing once. And it's just, it's, it's simple. Leave it at that. Uh, and basically tying into early in the movie where Zed was talking about, you know, the other people work here too. You can take a breather. It's the bookend of that where he's basically saying, no, 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 guys, I've learned from my mistake. I'm going on holiday. Like, no, 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 we got something very important for you. And, and it's not like, no, they want him to work, but he wants to leave. And instead they present him with a ticket to visit. I'm guessing it's Laura's home planet now to go visit her. And he goes, oh, you guys are the best. He gets in a little shuttle he gets zapped into space. You see him traveling through the stars. He lands, he opens up the pod, and then you see he's on a planet with the locker room creatures, which works. It still doesn't work 100%, but worked better than the ending we got in the original movie. But there you go, Men in Black 2. Wow, that only took longer than the movie, double the length. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. Um yeah, I, I, I mean, again, the the whole bit when he goes into the apartment with the guns, like, oh, sorry, folks, I used to live here. Trailer, we saw it. We knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, also, was that one of the, the bad jokes in this movie is when he's calling up Rosario Dawson with the worms and like, oh, by the way, they told me about Oprah from Chicago. Oh, yeah. Like, like, what? Like, oh, ha, 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 Oprah's an alien. Like, what do they yeah. just look at, like, a that week's edition of, like, People magazine and go, celebrity, <laughs> celebrity, celebrity. Like, uh, also... Talk about wooden acting. Tommy Lee Jones, love him. But, like, the bit when, like, Selena's, like, got the thing around him in the Men in Black office, he's just got this look on his face where he's just like, like there's a yeah. it's like, what is going no, on I'm, there, Tommy? I agree with you on that, yeah. Like, Jesus. Um, yeah, the henchman guy with the little things, like, he gets built up. Into, but it's like, so much of this movie, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. It's like, okay, he's got little body things. And, and then Selena's like, oh, remember, if you get me this person, you can have Earth. Like... Okay, that sure that came and went. Um, the worms get annoying when they actually start to be CGI worms because they look terrible. Yeah. Uh, the elevator bit, like you talk about defying the laws of physics. How is Tommy Lee Jones hanging by his legs? What is he hanging on to when he's upside down? I know. Being all like Lara Crofty. I, I don't get that. I, I do like the bit though with Will Smith when he's like, uh, I'll be with you in a minute. It's like, pew, pew, make that two minutes. Oh, let's just leave it open-ended at the moment. Like, that's yeah. kind of funny. Um, and, I yeah, I love the bit with the tubes. It's very Austin Powersy when he's, like, trying to get up and you're hearing, like, 10 minutes to destruction of Earth, mm-hmm. 9 minutes to destruction of Earth. Um, I'm looking here at the kids. That sounds a very inappropriate line from Ben, but uh, I don't I don't know. I, I mean, does Will have three kids? Like, I only thought he had Willow and Jaden, but I think he might have had a kid with his first marriage. So that's what I thought, too. Maybe the older kid is the one that no one ever talks about. Um and if you do, you slap him. Um, I don't get the whole like, oh look, Frank and the worms are having like wine and a cigar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um there's that. Um uh I disagree. Actually, one thing I think I'm pretty sure the ending of this movie was meant to happen on the trade centers. That was originally was, yeah. meant to be done, but they obviously changed it because they didn't exist. Because like- this movie was in the middle of sh- this movie had to shut down during nine 11. Mm. So yeah, th- they had to completely rework the ending. Cause the original idea I think was something like there was going to be a whole bunch of spaceships. Like uh, Serlina had all of her minions or whatever that emerged from the world trade center. And then they had this bigger battle at the end. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Um, 
Yeah, I disagree about this ending. I don't like it's meant to be dramatic, but this just comes to me with Rosario Dawson. It's like she's been missing for most of this movie now, and then all of a sudden she comes here, she's been damsel in distress, and they're all just like, you're the light. And she's like, what? And then they're just like, yes, and you have to go home. No. And then it's just like, you know when it rains and it gets, but everybody gets sad when it rains. No, it rains because you're sad. And then like, as she gets in the space, and it's just like this long stare, like Will Smith has chemistry with everyone. He has no chemistry with Rosario Dawson in this movie. And that's just like. I disagree. It's just the way it plays it. And then what makes it creepy is that Tommy Lee Jones kind of flirts with Rosario Dawson. Like. Does he? Well, like the whole bit where he's just like, you're just, you just look like her. You're just as pretty as her. If this is meant to be his daughter, like. That's where I want to know that this is his daughter. Like, this is where he should say, like, I'm your dad or something like that. Because then it's not creepy. Because I'm here going, like, oh, Tommy Lee Jones is trying to get Rosario Dawson. Well, and then five seconds uh, later, might be his daughter. What? Like, yeah. I, I, I think any father out there who had a daughter. Where are you going with this? They're not, they're not, they're not, they're, not, they're, not, <laughs> they're probably commenting the same thing, but not in the way you're thinking. I assume they're going to be like, I'm oh, Tasmanian you, I'm, Colin. Like, Here's, you you heard the way Jamie talks about me. God knows why, but you know the way Jamie talks about me. And yet she's always like, oh, Casey, you're so cute. You look just like your dad. But, but, like, but she's the, not meeting it in a way a, like, oh, I'm going to jump you, there's Casey. There's a difference in talking to like a, what are your kids, like three, four? Like there's a difference saying like, oh, you're so cute versus like a grown-up woman when the way he's delivering this line is actually like, you're just as beautiful as she is. Like, I mean, like this is a grown-ass man. No, nah, uh, I disagree with that. I, 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 I think I, there's plenty of people who would uh, this ending just summed up the movie to me because all of a sudden they're just like oh you're so beautiful okay uh cool you've got to get in the spaceship or earth's gonna end and she's just like just got these dumb looking at the like, yes you gotta get in the spaceship or you're gonna die it's like seriously bitch get the fuck in the spaceship or the world's gonna end she's like okay like rosario is just derp in this movie because like at the beginning you know the whole like Oh, that you're going to have to kill me. She has no emotion because in, like, literally, like, right now, aliens knock on your door. They're like, Colin, how you doing? Good on you. Like, cool, good show. Listen to the Oz Network. Great show. Uh, by the way, you are the son of Manugali, and basically if you don't get in this spaceship, everyone's going to die. Like, you're going to have, a, like, a bit of a, like, wait, I've got a family. Well, I'm going to stuff my family. I've got a podcast I've got to record. Like, I, I'm busy in the next week. Like, like you're going to, you're not just going to just be like, okay, Maybe you would. I don't know. How badly do you want to get away from the family? But, like, the, the <laughs> fact of the matter is she just literally just goes, okay, gets in a spaceship, pew, doors close, buggers off. Thanks, Rosario Dawson, for being in Men in Black 2. Here's your $2 million or, I don't know, it's 2002. They didn't pay women much back then. So, like, here's $5. Um, like, it's just, it's dumb. It's stupid. And then the whole emotion of, like, Will Smith, like, oh, he's like, you've known it for a day. Like, it's just dumb. And then, well, but if he was saying like, no, no, you can't, but he's literally, this, this would be like, if you spent the day with somebody and then you found out, oh, guess what? I'm actually married. Uh, or, oh, I, I, I actually, I got to go home to my planet. My planet needs me. You would probably be like, well, that sucks. This is his reaction is basically just like, no, that sucks. Eh, I don't know. And then like, I don't get why there's this weird firework display. Like why does blowing up Selena turn into the 4th of July? <laughs> um, and they're like, okay, I like the gag. I like the sight gag, Statue of Liberty. Like, it's it's funny. But, like, New York's a big fucking city and there's lots of skyscrapers. Like, I mean, if I was facing, you know, if I was in Harlem facing north and I've got, you know, in my apartment, like, listening to music, 
am I going to get flashy thinged? Like, or is this only covering like the south end of Manhattan? Like, it's just you get flashy thinged all over New York. This is a movie about men chasing aliens. Like, you know, I get it. Um, and yeah, I've not seen that alternate ending. I'll look at it after this because. Yeah, this is odd, the whole, like, we were entrenched in the Kama Sutra. Um, <laughs> and then, ah, ha, ha, they're we're in not the locker. In the locker but the best bit, of course, is when the credits are in, Nod your head, black yeah. feet coming, nod your head. Amazing song. I don't know why I'm pressing that one. Um, the fucking, <laughs> I don't have a button for it. Flat. <laughs> yep. It's a happy ending every time we hear Black Suits coming. Jizz in my pants. <laughs> Uh, I, you didn't even have to use the voice box for that one. That was just natural. In my so, critically, this movie didn't do nearly as well as the first one. Didn't the first one have like a 90% or something? Sorry, what? Uh, Whoa! Yeah. <laughs> 93, <laughs> I think. Shut the fuck up, man. I'm listening to Colin. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, this is basically a mirror image of that because it's 39. Uh, <laughs> 39. Not good. Some positive reviews, though. Um, I I think this one, uh, you met, read this one earlier, the bad one about, uh, it's called it Worth Viewing Once. That's a positive review. Uh, Entertainment Weekly, you'll like this, put the worm guys on the list of the best CG characters. And I also put Die Another roles, Day probably on the movie. <laughs> the best surfing scene ever, Die Another Day. They, they also said that enlarging the roles of Frank the Pug and the Worm Guys in Men Black 2 was beneficial for the tiring franchise. What? That's literally the, exactly the problem with the movie. And they're saying this is the best part? Um, uh, IMDb, it's actually, I thought this was lower. It's 6.1. So, I mean, it's not great, but, I mean, people don't, I guess, hate this movie. Uh, box office. So, the movie that was expected to... Be up there with Spider-Man and with uh, Star Wars wasn't quite there, but still eighth highest grossing film of the year overall, 190 million domestically. Uh, opening weekend, it obviously had Will Will Smith weekend. I, do do I do we even talk about that on Men in Black One? That like the Fourth of July weekend, Independence Day had come out one year earlier on the Fourth of July weekend. Men in Black comes out on the Fourth of July weekend. In between, then. You have the um, uh, Wild World West on 4th of July weekend and then Men in Black 2. So we're looking 96, 97, 98, 99, 2000. So seven years, Will Smith, more than 50% of the time, was Mr. 4th of July. He's America. I think Hancock, he is America. That's American right there. Uh, but I think Hancock might have also done 4th of July. But like this was basically like if it's a Will Smith movie, you open it on 4th of July. Um now it opens slightly higher than the first minute black. I think the first minute black opened like 51 million. This opened 52 million. And I, I remember when it came out, people were like, Oh, we expected five years later that it should have done like 60 to 70. Uh, but still it wasn't bad. It was one of the highest grossing, you know, of uh, the 4th of July weekends of all time uh, movies that it opened against um, like Mike. Yeah. Wow. Mike, and the Powerpuff Mike, girls, Michael movie. beach in like Mike. It could be agent M. Like yes. Mike. Oh, the uh, Powerpuff Girls movie. When are we doing that on the Oz Network? Jamie has been watching the Powerpuff Girls. I've <sighs> never seen it. You uh, need but, to uh, do things with your wife. Just stop letting it torture. <laughs> like, God. Uh, so other movies out. So Mr. Deeds was the previous number one film. Like I think I already mentioned. Uh, so that, that got knocked to second place. Lilo and Stitch was hanging on at number three. Minority Report hanging on at number four. And then, like, Mike, you got the Born Identity, Scooby-Doo, The Sum of All Fears, Powerpuff Girls, and Divine Secrets of the Yeah, Yeah Sisterhood, oh. all in the top ten. So it's also crazy that uh, 
the idea six weeks earlier or seven weeks earlier, whatever it was, um, was George Lucas. Oh, we're thinking men in black is going to be a big competition. This is again, 2002 in a nutshell, because like attack of the clones made so much money. But you, when you look at the competition, by the time men in black two came out, both Spider-Man and attack of the clones are out of the top 10. Mm. Uh, and yet those are two of the highest grossing films of all time. Uh, the year this came out, that's just how competitive this year was. The divine um, secrets of the Yaya sisterhood made more money that weekend than star Wars episode two attack of the clones. It, true. Uh, Star Wars was eight weeks in, so I guess it was it was two months between them. Yeah. Uh, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood, five weeks, though. The Yaya Sisterhood wasn't as strong as, as Sandy on Naboo. So I, I'm still saying we need to do a chick flicks with bad titles month, and we need to be doing How to Make an American Quilt, Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisters, Sister of the Traveling Pants 1 and 2. We've got four movies right there to do bad chick flicks with bad titles month. I'm on board to quilt ya ya and and travel those pants, Colin. Uh, Men in Black Two, of, as I said, was the eighth high school film of the year, so it was just above Chicago and uh, Ice Age. Uh, also, Catch Me If You Can and Die Another Day, and uh, just below Austin Powers and Goldmember, uh, Signs, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, Attack of the Clones, and Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, the highest grossing film of that year. Um, what else do we have? Uh, plot keywords. So speaking of bad group together months, um, lingerie month. Oh. I don't know. I'm sure this is going to be pretty decent. We got Boogie Nights, Castle, uh, American Psycho, and Gone Girl. Uh, who's in the lingerie and Gone Girl? Well, don't you see uh, ben, ben Affleck. Don't you think he's Donger? Don't you see Neil Patrick Yeah, Harris's he's in the lingerie. Doodle. Penis. Rural post office month. Rural. We could have Men in Black or Murder in the First with Kevin Bacon. Oh, uh, only two movies that are rural post office films. Uh, we got Witness to a Murder Month, Buddy Cop, Color in Title, Checking Bentley Watch the Month, Car. Checking Watch. What's on Checking Watch Month? Checking Watch Month coming in 2023. The Handmaiden, The Usual Suspects, John Wick Chapter Three, and Men in Black Two. I am really excited to do MIB month with Men in Black, Men in Black 3, Men in Black 2, Men in Black the series, Will Smith's video for Black Suits Coming, Nod Your Head, and then the Red League Conspiracy. I love that Men in Black International is not on MIB month, but the music video from this movie is, as is an episode of Without a Trace. Right. Uh, but no Men in Black International well, on MIB month. I can tell you uh, this is basically a Tasmanian month, two-headed person month. Haha, uh, <laughs> Australian jokes. Colin doesn't get it. Uh, the Nightmare Before Christmas, Men in Black 2, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and Army of Darkness. Basically because we all fuck our family, we're all born with deformities. So ah. the, the joke is we are called two-headed Tasmanians. So if you go to the mainland and you're like, oh, you're from Tasmania. You're like, ha, yeah, don't you see my second head? Ah, <laughs> Tasmanian jokes, they're funny. Oh, that's the wrong button, Ben. Yeah. That. <laughs> that was jokes in space. Yep. Uh, let's quickly look at Torso Cut in Half Month. Uh, we got Thor, Love and Thunder, Pulp Fiction, D- Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and Gladiator. We could do Amnesia uh, Month, but I forgot about it. <laughs> uh, I've decided in the groin month I'm sure we've done this before but Hellraiser, Deadpool, Goonies and Logan There's the Logan gets hit in the groin football man gets hit in the groin by football <laughs> <laughs> it's funny 
<laughs> oh, when The Simpsons was good. Uh, what else do we have? Oh, uh, reviews. Okay, so um, I don't know whether this is a good or bad one. I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read one of each. Okay, so one star review here. Mage one two one one seven nine said, "If you've already seen Men in Black and The Fifth Element, then you certainly don't need to see this. They just blended these two movies into a crap smoothie. Absolutely no originality, no flavor." I'm sure there's a flavor in a crap smoothie. Um, I don't want to know what it is, but it's going to have flavor. Uh, no reason to see this movie unless it's free and you are bedridden. Otherwise, go for a walk and save your money. Wow. Well, um, I've got feast mode. My notes. I can't believe I used to like this movie after watching it again. This is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. There were so many OMG moments and times when I actually had to pause it just to comprehend how stupid what they did just was. Super cheesy, barely funny. Sounds like a review for us. The comedy seemed more like what children find fun. This is, I think I'm reading the Dale's Network review. The story is awful. The action, OMG, the action was the worst. Horribly done, super fake, and unrealistic. In brackets, about three viewings. Uh, this one is a 10-star review, and I don't quite understand anything this person is saying. Um, it says, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones equals one of best teams put together, and my list of best teams ain't that long. Uh, I have literally seen this movie 15 times, never gets out of style or old because it's timeless, space, comma, space, eternal, space, comma, space, perfect cast, space, comma, you could tell them, you could tell when watching it that the actors were having fun, space, comma, space, and not just in it for a payment. Uh, the end part here, there needs to be a number four, but they go somewhere else besides New York and add Dr. Dre as Agent D and Ange, Agent A for Andre. What? <laughs> um, I, and then you'll like this one. I've got, I'll close out on one. You, you go to this one. I'm, I'm, Unless it's the same one. Is it Michael Jackson? No, I, I'm still on the one stars. So oh, okay. Yeah. I'm on tens here. Do you want, do you want to end? Oh, uh, the reason I want to read this one is a short one because like Chub Chub. <laughs> Chub Chub. <laughs> Isn't that um, this sound effect? <laughs> um, but I, I just got to point out to Chub Chub, right? Chub Chub's left a one star review. Remember? One out of 10. That's what the review is. I just remember that for the last sentence of this review. I laugh more at the short film at the beginning, rehashed the jokes from the original, and was just not funny. Acting was subpar throughout the movie. The movie looked like the writers couldn't come up with anything new and decided to refilm old gags. The plot was non-existent, and the ending was anticlimactic. Now, this is the last sentence. Remember, it's, this is a 1 out of 10 review. The final line of this review, I would give it a 2 out of 10. <laughs> They've literally left a one-star review out of ten, uh, and they close out with, "I would give it a two out of 10 I'm telling um, you right now. That's great. Oh, that's you. Hang on. <laughs> Don't that's you the call a button? Throw a chair. Yeah, that's what I meant to do. You want to hear you throw a chair at Penny That's okay. Penny I'm going to read one more 10 star review here because it just says that one scene by the King of pop is enough for this film to get a 10 out of 10. Not many films can say they were graced by the legendary Michael Jackson, who is still today by far the most successful star that has walked this earth. Well, and you know uh, what I have to say to that? <laughs> there. Oh, I thought it was, it's a winner. Oh, uh, uh, it's a winner. <laughs> I can't be fucked finding that right button. 
All right, what are you going to do with this? Uh, I have to rent it. It's not a bin. Like, it's it's not terrible. But I can't buy this movie. It's, I mean... I I would honestly, if I was to rewatch, were to rewatch these movies any time in the future, I would almost, I could skip this and just go straight to three. Because again, I remember liking mm. three. Um, so yeah, it pains me to do that because I wanted to kind of buy the first three and then bin the fourth. Um, mm. but nah, I, low rent, mid to low rent. There's, I mean, this like again, yeah. I just, I might watch this in three years time and like it more. I don't know, like it just. Tonight, when I watched it, I'm just like, eh. Like, I never dislike this movie, and I enjoy it when I'm watching it, but there are enough problems with this that it's not worthy of a buy. So I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to rent it. Uh, but uh, I will say it's it's not as bad as some people do make it out to be. Yeah. Uh, it is it is the weakest of the trilogy. It's Three is a better movie. If anybody out there says that three is worse than this, you're an idiot. Um, but, wow. uh, still there's, you're, you're, you're an idiot. You're a moron. What was that moron line? Uh, uh, the dog one, um, stop barking the moon, moron. Men in black three is better than two. Well, that's a wet there one. There you too. go. <laughs> Sloppy Joes. That's a, that's a dog fart right there. That's a dog uh, fact. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, this, this one is definitely not as good as one of three. Uh, but yet, in a, in a weird way, I probably have an easier time watching part two because it's just, it's completely mindless. Yet at the same time, I never get the urge to be like, I'm going to watch Men in Black 2. And even if I'm not watching the Men in Black series, I might, even though I've only seen it a few times, I might think to myself, yeah, I think Men in Black 3 might be interesting to revisit. I don't think I ever get the urge, oh, I think I want to revisit part two. Yeah, it's the, um, oh, it's the Jurassic World. No, because I like Fallen Kingdom. It's not Jurassic World. It's not even Jurassic Part 3. Jurassic Part 3 is better. Back it's to the Jurassic World. Yeah, but Jurassic World's a better movie. I'd rather watch Jurassic World any day of the week than this. Um, And, yeah, I'm trying to think of it. This is the, not even the Star Wars. of James Force Bond. Uh, yeah, Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I, I, this is the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the You Only Live Twice of... The yeah, Men in Black you films. You know, that's a good comparison, Ben. Well done, Very Ben. Good, ben. good job. And that's a Ben fact. <laughs> do you like the Ben fact sound, by the way, now that you've heard it? I do like it. It's, it's taking me forever to hear it. Now, I, I need a Colin fact. That's you do have a Colin fact. It's like a wah, 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 but I don't have it on the soundboard. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got I've got this, but it's not the same one that I used when I did the Colin fact. So. It literally sounds exactly the same. Um but, That's uh, racist I'll, I'll against trombones, Colin. <laughs> the race of trombones is very offended by this. I'm going to get slapped. You get a tromboner. <laughs> wah, 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 no, wah. that deserves a happy ending. <laughs> um, Men in Black 3 next week. Uh, I have seen this movie approximately three times in the last 10 years. I saw it when it was first in theaters. I saw it when it was on TV a couple of years later, and then I saw it last year when I rewatched the whole trilogy, um, oh. and that's it. <laughs> Beavis is back, <laughs> uh, but I, I like this movie. I think my opinion has never changed since the first time. I think the Men in Black Two is definitely the funnier of the two movies, but Men in Black Three has a fantastic story. Uh, it has some great dramatic moments. It's a very satisfying third movie, even if Tommy Lee Jones is kind of relegated to more of a cameo. 
I mean, Josh Brolin's fantastic. To me, it doesn't feel like it is. We couldn't get Tommy Lee Jones to agree to do a whole movie because Josh Brolin does such an amazing job playing him. And you get a lot of other great actors. I, Jermaine. I, I was going to say, it, it is close between Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, shit. Fucking bloody. <laughs> fucking hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Thank you. <laughs> and Boris the Animal um, for, for best villain. Best Kiwi that... Well, I guess um, Taika Waititi's not in this one, is he? But and Tessa Thompson, I think, is a Kiwi, isn't she? Is Tessa Thompson, is she? I don't know. Uh, I don't. Um, well, she should be. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and we also get some of the, the. A lot of the little supporting characters are fantastic in this movie. Um, and sadly, no more Zed, but Emma Thompson's there. Oh, I like and Emma that. Thompson. Means it's good. Uh, who doesn't? She's um, um, Britain's Meryl Streep. She's, I, I prefer her over Meryl Streep, to be honest. Oh, uh, Colin. Yes, I said it. And I prefer Jermaine Clement over Meryl Streep as well, at least what? in what I've seen him in. Come on. What about Brit? I've seen him in have what, you, Brit, who, Brit, Brit, Britney Brit Spears? McKenzie. Have you, have you, you haven't seen Flight of the Concords, have you? I've never seen oh, it. Oh, no. you've got to watch. It's short, too. It's only two quick seasons. Jamie would love Flight of the Concords. Um, I think I've seen it. Twice, I, I I'm pretty sure I rewatched them all before Men in Black International. I did a rewatch maybe like five years ago, and I I don't know why I didn't see this at the movie. I think it just came down to I didn't like the second one, so I mm. just I didn't see this at the movies. I think I was just like, oh no, the second one sucked. I'm not going to see the third one. So I literally didn't see this till like five six years after it it came out. And I remember when it came out, people were like, yeah, that's pretty good. And I remember watching, I'm like, yeah, that's good. Like I kind of like the ending of it where what happens happens and there's a bit of drama yeah. and it kind of adds a bit of a twist to the whole storyline. It's, it's definitely one of these like twists where it's kind of like, Oh, that could have gone a different way. And I'm sure some people don't like what they do with it, but I'm kind of like, Oh, okay. That kind of makes sense. Um, so, and was this, cause I know, I don't know if we'll really talk about it next week or in another episode that the, the big one that nearly happened of course, was the combination between this and 21 jump street, which was the yeah. Sony leak. So I don't know if this, was before that was meant to happen or that was meant to happen after this? Because I don't know. The I think it was one. after this. Which I've never seen the 21 Jump Street movies, but that would have been very interesting combination. But um, no, I remember liking I love Josh Brolin. I I mean, I, I've constantly said that I love his performance of George W. Bush in W, robbed of an Oscar nomination. I love Sam Rockwell, but no, Sam Rockwell was no George W. Bush compared to what Josh Brolin did in that movie. So the fact that Sam Rockwell got nominated for that. And yeah, but um, there's a lot of space stuff in this movie, which is cool. Uh, Nicole Scherslinger's in it. If you like your pussycat dolls and Lewis Hamilton's yeah. ex. Um, but yeah, uh, Jermaine, love him. Um, Fly the Concords, amazing. That made my top 50 TV shows from memory. And uh, yeah, not bad for a Kiwi. So there's that. Ben's excited for a Kiwi next week. And uh, we're I've hoping got a the sound flatulence. For that, I think. Hang on. You bad. I do. It's Nick's introduction <laughs> when he comes on the show. Keep talking. I'll find his message. Oh, there it is. There you go. Nick's getting excited. We're in a brothel in New Zealand. There he is. Whoa, it keeps going, doesn't oh, no, it? He gets very excited. It's a wet one, too. Uh, yeah, so Kiwis and Farts will be back next week for sure. Uh, make sure to listen to the end of this episode, find out how you can subscribe to us and follow us, but you probably already do. If you're, if you're looking for a challenge, see if you can like our posts for this episode before my nephew does. There's a challenge of the week. We will give away what we will give away. We will give away our free bonus episode next month for free to anybody who likes 
the post for Men in Black 2 before PM Clausen and is willing to write to us to say, here is the evidence I liked before PM Clausen. No, 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 no. You don't have to write that. You literally have to leave the comment wet fart. Yes. <laughs> That's all you got to say. Wet Just fart. wet fart. So they don't even have to be the first one because because Patrick's going to be replying wet fart. If I you leave a comment saying wet fart, I will sign a photo of Will Smith. Just, just a photo of him. Just I'll sign just it. Just any photo of Will Smith. Just, I'll choose it. Um and I will I will sign it. I will uh, do I one of those AI image creator things of Will Smith. <laughs> I'll type Will Smith farting in it. And I whatever that concoction comes up with on those weird AI image creator websites, and I will sign it. You gotta leave wet fart. One week in advance, I want to thank PM Clausen. For signing wet fart on he this episode. He doesn't get it. I'm sorry, PM Plus. <laughs> you don't get it. You are ineligible to enter this competition. Uh, everybody else is up for grabs, though. So Men in Black 3 next week, and then we'll wrap it up with Men in Black International, unfortunately. Uh, um, hang on. Say that again. We'll wrap it up with Men in Black International, unfortunately. <laughs> there we go. Oh, My name I- is... Oh, sorry. That's Spoon Collins. Audience, let Colin wrap it up. Don't boo Colin. You're really upset with my name this week. Um, Stupid Fine, name. then I'm going to say my name is Captain Colin Bridgewater, and I decide what happens on this podcast. And my name is Ben, and thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.